the thing. If I've got my nose rubbed right up against it, just like I'm tickling it, you know, that's... It's actually a really good metric. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Last time I put my beard into it, and I'm like, yeah, this is probably a bad idea. And I eat the microphone. It's very important. Well, if you don't... Just the tip. Just the tip. I mean, like, I can turn the gain up so I could be sitting back here, but then you pick up all sorts of other shit, too. Mm. You could say Bob. (laughs) <laughs> well just the tip jack we're gonna we're gonna get to the fan fiction oh god don't you fucking worry hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome to after the movie i'm erica across from me as always is bob and we have a special guest today jack hi. is back hi everybody he had so much fun the last time he decided to come back whenever you invite me to a movie like this i have to so friends the dozens yeah right over there champ you're looking intently, and it's making me worried. Well, I'm just looking at the 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 the, the timer. Yeah. And sometimes it goes by one second, and then sometimes it goes by three. And it started at ten hours when I turned it on. Yeah. And now it's at seven. So. Well, that's concerning. We'll have to keep an eye keep on. Keep an that. eye on that, yeah, because I don't want this to be one of those episodes where we lose it, because I will lose my fucking mind. So, ladies and gentlemen, the dozens. You know, we we suffered for you a few weeks ago. We watched Batman v Superman colon Dawn of Justice and did an episode. Uh, or I did an episode and uh, Bob sat in the corner and watched. Uh, so we really <laughs> wanted to treat ourselves today. And uh, we've been talking about uh, a fair amount over the last uh, uh, couple weeks about uh, movies. What, what's, what do we, how do we reference them, Bob? God tier movies? Is that the I, I believe that is phrase? a term you came up with, okay. yes. I'm sure I picked it off, off of Tumblr. I've been on Tumblr entirely too much lately. So, folks, it has all been leading to this. All of the constant discussions, the ranting, the raving, the anger, the fury. Don't build it up. <laughs> we are doing an episode on Pacific Rim. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> now, really, it was Jack who suggested it. It was, wasn't it? It was. Oh, I've been dying to talk about this movie in a more official sense because we sit around and talk about I was going to say I think, I think we mentioned it at least 5 times every well, time we see each other. Well, here, here's a question I want to start with though. Um I mean we've we've done this a fair amount at this point, so I think we're a little more used to it. How did you find the experience of going into watching this movie knowing you were going to talk about it? I enjoyed it even more because then it's like, oh, I'll, I can try and pick apart this entire thing. But really, I just rationalized all of the plot holes <laughs> and enjoyed it even more <laughs> because fuck it. Whenever I'm enjoying a movie like that, that's the way to go. It's one of the core tenets of after the movie, baby. I mean, it's the opposite of certain movies that you guys spent another two and a half hours of your life just ruining. But, you know, I mean. I'm, I, not, I'm not going to say I that name. I didn't. Po- I didn't want to okay. do it. I didn't want to do it, Jack. I. I didn't. I you know just you don't did. know how to say no to me. That's well, true. Mm. Yeah. At the end of the day, though, please let's not mention that. I put a counter up on that one on this podcast only because let's not soil this one. <laughs> Jack's like this is a happy. <laughs> this, this is a happy, happy place, place, friends. <laughs> this is a safe zone, guys. I will do what I can. To rein that tiger back, Jack. <laughs> I make no promises. I've Pacific said it once. <laughs> I've said it once. Pacific Rim. <laughs> but what do we do when we start talking about idrissing? What? I, I have just made a solemn vow. 
to our special guest. A solemn vow to try. To our special guest. (laughs) (laughs) So I will try. I will try. I will try. Just as after this episode, I will try not to talk about Pacific Pacific Rim fan fiction all the time. Trying. 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 It's not going to happen, but I will make a concerted effort. I already like how we're like five minutes into this and we've not said anything about the movie about how much we love it though oh it's so good it's so good it's just oh Mm. i mean do we want to just take a few minutes to gush Uh, i'm more than happy to gush about this movie because (laughs) uh, you know it's just like from the intro you're getting set up for an entire movie that you just cannot wait for and it just builds and builds and builds and it gets to a climax and you feel the release and it's amazing. <laughs> the release. Wait, what uh, are we talking about again? Sorry. <laughs> oh yeah. A Pacific Rim fan Grand fiction. Yeah. yeah. Oh okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's a movie. That's what I was talking about. <laughs> no, they hit you with that banging soundtrack right away, and you're just like, oh, take me away, guy who does the music for Game of Thrones, <laughs> whose name is escaping me at the moment. Um, Ramin Jawadi. There you go. He does Westworld too, doesn't he? Yes, he does. There you go. That is a mouthful for a name. Uh, yes, it is. The interesting thing about him is he has some sort of disorder that allow that basically enables him to visualize music. That's um, not a disorder. That's that's a it's superpower. superpower, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, which is really cool. I really like his music, uh, and uh, it's. You know, it's one of the we we've talked about um, a little bit more lately, and we're going to do a podcast on just this. Is like how important music is to movies, and like there are a lot of movies that um, are good, but never th- don't actually make that last step. And I think what a fatal flaw in a lot of movies is their music. Well, we've talked about it in regards to the Marvel music, uh, the Marvel movies. You know, and I know there's an Avengers theme. I have heard it. I am aware of it. But you come up to me and you go, I, I know what you're... I, I'm there. Well, you know what the funny thing is about the Avengers theme is I know the Avengers theme. And the Avengers theme is actually really good. It's underutilized throughout the series. They save it purely for uh, the very specific moments. And it's like if you used it more often, it would build in the series. Throughout this movie, the music is just... It's bang. It's always there. It's great. Mm-hmm. And actually, after rewatching it and paying attention to that musical aspect, you know, and if you're paying attention to some of the other movies, like you know, uh, I'll use Justice League as an option because they have several different character themes. I wasn't paying attention to it the first dozen times I watched this, but I pointed out while we were watching this one, whenever the Russian Jaeger comes on screen... All of a sudden, there's a slight change to almost the classic, you know, what was it, uh, stereotypical Russian themes. Oh, yeah, you got to get the the men's choir in there. It gets a little more bassy. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't think about it, but that main overarching Pacific Rim thing is actually more of the Gypsy Danger theme. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I just caught that on this watch through. So for me gold well what did we say when we did uh we're watching pacific america concentrate focus uh the shape of water i mean it's one of those movies where you could go back and watch it a dozen more times and it's so rich just like the 
the set design, the music, like just everything in there, and you could always find something new. We can talk about Cherno Alpha for a little while, though, because holy shit, that <laughs> Jaeger is awesome. And that's the thing, you know, it, should we start at the beginning? Because, I mean, I think that actually leads into the statement of, about Cherno Alpha, because the entire lead-up into this is giving the backstory, showing you what the Jaeger program came from, and just those first, like, five minutes of oh, the movie. Oh, that's a movie right there. You could do a I, whole movie about movies. it. movies. Yeah. I'd love to see the Stacker, Penteco- Stacker Pentecost special or or give me give me a series of novels dude i mean well that that's something because we've talked about a lot about how prequels never or very rarely live up to their source material and i think about it a lot in the same vein as i think about mass effect like i think about like the first contact war and you know lots of stuff in there uh what's the um What's the guy's name? The, the Keith David's character. Um, I can't remember now, and I'm going to punch myself. You of all people should know I'll, this. I'll remember it the second we turn off the recording. But, uh, you know, it's like, as much as I want more of that story, it's got to be done in the right medium. Fair. Oh, definitely. And I think that with the first contact war, the good thing about that is it's back far enough mm-hmm. that there's other stories you can tell in there. I think the problem with, say, like the Star Wars prequels is that it all felt it, we have to focus just on the Skywalker family. And you understand why they do that, but it's like there's a whole world out here, there's a whole universe out here that's, you know, there's lots of interesting facets. Anderson. There you go. Hey, yeah. You got there. Bob, you got there. I didn't even look it up. <laughs> I know. I good literally, for you. I mean, I've been sitting here for like the last minute while you were talking. You would have been running. I was actually so ashamed of yourself. I was actually running through dialogue in my head from the game so that it would just come into my memory. Now, friends, dozens. Bob has played those Mass Effect games. What's the hour count? Is it over 600? Probably okay. at this point. Bob has played a lot of Mass Effect. He is our, our foremost Mass Effect expert. On uh, after the movie and in the uh, <laughs> Team Pumanai family of podcasts, <laughs> running through dialogue so he would remember the name. It's and I'm one the obsessive <laughs> one. Okay, okay, that's cool. Put your hour count up against my Final Fantasy VII count. Oh, not a chance! Uh, come Heck, on, even my Chrono Trigger count. Oh, my Chrono Trigger <laughs> count's just embarrassing. Oh. That's such a good game. And being only a 20-hour game. Mm. But uh, Pacific Rim. Pacific, Pacific Rim. Rim. Pacific Rim. Although there's a connection there. They're both great world-building um, very fair uh, franchises. Different oh, medium, yeah. but, you know. Like, in that first couple minutes, you get the military is lo- useless. Trespasser, which is the name of the kaiju. And, yes, I do know all the names. Yeah, that's how I'm using my brain power. Uh, it's only a category one, and it takes what did they say, six days to take it down? Mm-hmm. Thirty-five miles, th- or tens of thousands of people. Yeah, like six cities, just insanity. Uh, so you have this little prequel in the first five minutes, and it just perfectly sets the table for what's to come. Um, you know, setting up that the Jaeger pilots were once like, oh, they're fucking like rock stars and, you know, they're on late night TV and shit. And now it's like, oh, you're washed out and you're working on the fucking useless wall. <laughs> Which, fun fact, there's going to be a lot of this. I apologize. Oh, jeez. Get ready. Get, oh, you don't even fucking know, Bob. <laughs> nope, I don't. You don't even know and I it's don't. great. Yep. So it's 
Herman's dad is a big like PPDC guy, and oh he my yeah, God. yep, yep, this is happening. This is happening for realsies. Folks, and he, this is not canon. This is for the no, it's in the official novelization, so it is. Oh Jesus! So go fuck yourself, <laughs> Bob. Need something to drink while she starts. <laughs> <laughs> he was one of the big proponents of the wall. So now that's not important to you enjoying the movie at all. I just felt since I've decided to waste brain power on that. That the two of you Wait, now um, have to should, know that. Uh, here's my question. Have you actually read the novelization, or did you just get facts on like Wikipedia I or the fanfic sites? I have definitely read both novelizations. Both novelizations. Wow. Yep. This is how I choose to spend my time. I'm a 34-year-old woman who has a job. I don't even remember like, and, like, you like getting functions. the book. Oh, the books are like, they're, I read them in like an hour and a half. They're very short, very kind of easy to read. It's just, yeah. But there's a, they're, they're long enough to include that Herman's father was imperfect to... Well, see, PPDC. what I'm saying, though, Bob, is that that is very important to some of the fanon that goes on. But we're not going to get into that just yet. Don't worry, I gave you extra bourbon in that one. Yes! Water with... <laughs> half water and half bourbon. There you go. <laughs> also, I have found my uh, Pacific Rim fan fiction life partner. Uh, so shout out to Sass if she's listening. I'm not the only one, Bob. I, I found out what it sounds like when the doves cry. Oh, okay. I'm not the only Millhouse. There is another. Did you I, get that reference or I no? I was the only Millhouse. <laughs> this is what it sounds like when the doves cry. So Jack's there. Yeah, uh, Jack's seen thing. Lemon of Troy. Yeah. Jesus. Uh, everything comes up Millhouse. <laughs> anyway. Pacific Rim. Please, Pacific please Rim. continue. The, Pacific Rim, the movie. Yes, the I movie. feel like we yes. have to. We should, we we should append that. We Not the official novelization. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing. We haven't even gotten through the intro. We haven't even come up to the. Uh, <laughs> the oh my god. Beckett Brothers. <laughs> which, which oh. once again, like we said in the or during the movie. Okay, I brought it up. Is. Del Toro, the only other person on the planet that likes the name Yancey, because it's the only second time I've <laughs> ever heard of Yancey, and for any Yancey out there, please send me the hate mail, because I never heard. Can I also say something, though? You're remembering the name of Raleigh's brother that's on screen for five seconds. Uh-uh. We watch him die a couple times No, 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 later. but what I'm saying oh, is... Oh, sorry, spoilers. <laughs> spoilers for a six-year-old movie. <laughs> it's, you remember the side characters in this movie. Hey, quick. Name characters from Rogue One. That's a movie. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, shots fired. Uh, it's not. It's terrible. It is. Uh, That's the joke. Bah, 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 bah. I loved the ending of that movie because it ended. <laughs> and the two main characters that were slowly being pushed together to be quote unquote love interests didn't make out. Just like this movie. Just like this movie. Yay. I'll take it. I mean, I would have rather other characters made out, but I'll I'll deal. I'll stop. I promise I'll stop. No, you won't. I won't. You're no. not going to. You're giving me these looks, and it's great. I love so, it. So, Yancey, here, th- this is a conversation <laughs> that came up today in, in a meeting I was in. We were talking about, like. You're talking about Pacific Rim at work. Uh, no, but <laughs> we, but Yancey is, uh, is an older guy's name, uh, and we were talking about how, like, uh, there's someone we work with who's got like an older, like a, a old name, um, and but and it's a female name, Elsie. 
Helen. Dorothy. Oh, I like Dorothy. But it, I feel like men's, older men's names age better than older women's names. Hmm. I don't know that I agree with that. No? No. All right. Pacific Rim. Pacific Rim. <laughs> Milton. <laughs> don't choke, Bob. It's only water. Oh, okay. That's what's left. No, but even when you uh, uh, you first get to the Beckett brothers, they're uh, bunk. It's what is the accent they're supposed to have? They're American. Yes, Alaskan apparently. Okay. I mean, if you want me to find out oh, where no. they're from, no, no, I mean, no, 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 no. We don't need. No, we don't need. It's Alaskan <laughs> from the Anchorage area. Bob, we have reference material. Is all I'm saying. So if you really want to know, I can find out for you, and I'll post it on the Twitter account. I won't do that. That's well, not going to happen. I'm going to torture Bob with it later, though. So the question I do have to ask in this universe, yes. okay, how does Anchorage get up to 2 million people? Is that a, or is that the case today? Because I don't believe it is. I legitimately have absolutely no idea what and the population of Anchorage considering is. Considering the movie itself actually moves you into 2020, you know, we're right here. We're right in the heart of it. I don't know. Are you looking that up, Bob? Yeah, I'm looking it up. Some uh, fact-checking for I mean, us. For me, that's really some of the fun stuff that popped out at me watching this. I'm like, they're throwing stats and numbers and all of these people and all of the spaces that they have out there. That is off by an order of magnitude. Yeah, I thought so. I thought it was only 200,000, yeah. maybe even 150,000. And so to have 2 million people up there, it's got to be for the wall or for the Jaeger program. It's the only thing that makes that's sense. That's a in this lot universe. of people, though, for, for well, that. It's a military program. Yeah, so. that's true. Very no. true. And that was before they lost all their funding. Correct. And you're trying to defend the Pacific Rim. That was the name of the movie. You would think people would be trying to get away from it, though. Yeah. Well, Well, they do kind of throw that out there during... Uh, it's one of the scenes where Raleigh's getting ready and you see the there's a screen on and the dumb fucking United States UN rep that was talking to Stacker at the beginning mm -hmm. is saying, oh, well, people can evacuate, you know, to the, you know... The inner states, like, they can get away from the coastlines, and someone's like, what, the rich people? Like, everybody can't afford to do that. Right. So, fucking fascists. See, I think, though, I'd... Ooh, fan theory. I'd wait for people to leave. I'd be like the old man and the kid on the shore in Alaska. Live somewhere super remote. When the kaiju comes, you're, you're not somewhere it's going to try and kill. It's going to go right past you. Well, and the other the thing millions. is... You don't want to survive until the kaiju's masters are coming through. Because that means that we've lost and all is, is fucked. You want the early death in the, in the worst case scenario. That and getting an apartment like on the beach has got to be like crazy cheap. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, you got to worry about that kaiju blue. Exactly. But oh. the views are amazing. At least until they put the wall up. Oh, it looks gorgeous. Pacific Rim. Pacific Rim. Oh. The movie. Uh, <laughs> I think we need that for this podcast. <laughs> you totally do. <laughs> anyway. I do, I do like, though, that they, they really did give him kind of that uh, that fighter pilot cockiness. It's a World War II kind of aesthetic to it, Yeah, right? very much so. Well, they all had leather jackets. Those leather jackets, jackets are very important. Yeah, and they've got their fighter name or their fighter names on there they've got the whole nine going and then they walk off into their suits 
Okay. Now, this is the one question that I loaded here because whenever I watched it, I've watched this many times, and it really came back to me, and I had to ask, how did they get the battle damage on the armor? I know it's <laughs> seven years of this program at this point in the movie, and how do you get damage on the armor whenever you're never outside of it? That's the only one that I could not explain or derationalize or rationalize through all of the conversation. I'll get back to you, Jack. Thank you. That's the only one where I'm like, okay, I can. I made up continuity in my head. This hey, one, I was like, did they just beat on each other? Well, they are brothers. There's my explanation. They are brothers. They, they put on the suits one day, and they obviously don't follow the rules because they actually save people like heroes in superhero movies that will not be named. What? <laughs> they risked two million people, Jack. Yeah, for five. Well, the deadliest catch was filming, and they really, like... <laughs> they're big fans. They're really big. That's a really good show. <laughs> What I really enjoy is, and we mentioned this while we were watching, the implication in-universe that some fucking nerd played Portal and was like, we need a voice. Get get Ellen McLean from the fucking Portal games. She can be the- GLaDOS can be the voice! How's that timer looking, honey? We're okay. It's at, no, it's six hours and 44 minutes. We're fine. We're good. Uh, don't worry about that portion. I'd be more than happy to come back and re-record this one because <laughs> I-, I I could talk about this one for days. Well, I would also like to say I, I am struggling mightily because I don't want to fucking talk about it because we already did an episode on it. I'm sure we'll talk about it at the end. We will save shitty sequel talk until later. No. If we get to it at all because, as we have said multiple times... That movie does not exist in fuck continuity. Fuck movie. Fuck it so hard. Um... But no, the whole World War II aesthetic is pretty cool. And you can kind of see there's other sort of like... You know, different nations kind of coming together to take on the, you know, unknowable evil or whatever. And then, uh... I did love how, like, the Great Britain rep was like, the wall's a very promising option. Well, that's the great thing, because it's like, motherfucker, you in the Atlantic, all right? (laughs) You're on the other side of the world. Who the fuck cares what you're talking about? speaking of, have you seen Atlantic Rim? I have not, but I... I saw the I have been told multiple times that I need to watch it. (laughs) Specifically, the MST3K version. Yes. That is on Netflix now. Yes. Okay, that, that may be the only way I watch it, because I saw the preview to that once. I watched through, like, the first break in MST3K, and then I got distracted by something, and oh boy. Well, the fun it's thing is... A, it's a thing. Is That's an Asylum movie, and I believe we discussed this in you a previous episode. you have to be episode. in an Asylum to watch this movie? That's how they straighten you out and try and get you straight? Asylum is uh, owned by the same company as Legendary, or Legendary owns really? them. Yeah. As, as I caught on this intro the first time, I noticed that it was a Warner Brothers Legendary picture. I don't pay attention to that stuff because I just enjoy the movie. I don't pay attention to the details because it's just, I don't care. I that's what it takes robots. to be on a podcast, Jack. I'm sorry. Well, and that's specific. Why I don't do this <laughs> podcast. There was, uh, uh, I, I w- well, because the interesting thing is Legendary also does the new Godzilla movies, and I believe they did King Kong as well, right? Yeah. yeah. So well, it's like. <laughs> I mean, there's a total of 30 minutes between those two movies that I really enjoyed. 
But you don't like King Kong? Not really. Really? Oh, that's disappointing. I mean, I liked Godzilla specifically whenever you had Godzilla on screen. We were talking about that before you came over, how it's kind of... It's a promise of things to come. Mm-hmm. There's a check written with this new movie. And if I don't get more giant monster fighting. Yeah. Because you're bringing King Ghidorah. I mean. And Mothra. That's the whole point to me. That's actually, Oh, no, that is the whole reason for any of this. Wanton destruction and giant monster fighting. That's the reason why the Netflix Godzilla movies. I don't know if you've watched them. I but I thoroughly enjoy those because they revolve around the idea. You have to stop this monster. It. It. Goes into some of the characterization of, you know, these people and how they're handling the monster and their world and trying to get the world back. But on the other side of it, I don't care. You're still trying to sh- stop this giant monster in 90% of the movies about how they're going to get that done. Not, oh, I'm running away and I have to develop a plot around love interests and, you know, people having to save. No, no, it's a giant monster killed the giant monster. I need giant robot monster fighting. I mean, that's what that's why I'm here. That's why I'm at the party. Ooh. And that's 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 what I want. Please tell El Toro that he needs to reach out to the Godzilla crew. Give me, give us the crossover we all want. Oh. We need to be the change we want to see in the world, or we just fix it with fan fiction. Yes, Bob, <laughs> you had something to say. I was gonna say I liked Kong. I did too. I really liked Kong Skull Island a lot more than I thought. Like we would, we just kind of went on a lark. I was gonna say I wasn't thrilled, and I've it's because you don't have a heart, Jack. Well, I know that, and that's why I enjoyed everything else. See, at least he knows. <laughs> that's why I love this movie. <laughs> I have no heart. <laughs> I want everything to die. I mean, that was the whole reason that you heard me bitching at the end of this movie. It, it ended wrong to me. We'll get there, but it ended wrong to me. Yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> we haven't even gotten through I the know, first we're not fight. even through, like, we're not even at the first Jaeger battle. No. Um, Sue. So, okay, we talked about the characterization of these two characters. Yes. Okay, where you're really putting together Raleigh and Yancey and how they are really brothers and they act like brothers. They seem to actually have some on-screen chemistry. Well, and that's what I think so many movies fail to do is that that shorthand. It's not hard. You can show me, like, you see all the photos that they have on the walls. You can tell it's a, a, a space that they've lived in together. And you could see, you know, Raleigh's maybe a little too overenthusiastic, a.k.a., you know, come on, kid, don't get cocky, where Yancey is a little more, like, seasoned and kind of, like, level-headed. And we... You spend, like, what, a couple minutes with them together mm-hmm. before it all goes to shit? It, it it doesn't take much. But when you do those little things, it just, it, it comes back, uh, it, yeah, it just makes it a much better, uh, more fulfilling movie experience. Well, and they also set the scene that you're, that they have a connection, not only as brothers, but then they put them into the robot. Right. Okay. And while they're prepping, they even point out, I'm in your head, or I'm going to be in your head in a minute, anyways. Right. It doesn't matter what I'll you get say. There. Don't worry yeah. about it. So, uh, those sorts of things where you're setting the scene before you see and understand the entire mythos is. What can I say? It's a Del Toro film. We've did enough of it on The Shape of Water. <laughs> there was a lot of Del Toro filleting on The Shape of Water. Well, I mean, it was all deserved, but. Well, and that's. Uh, 
yeah, let's not go down that avenue. Yeah, exactly. Erica. So Pacific Rim. It's Pacific Rim. Yes. Um, just building that kind of mythology and that lore around like what the drift is and just the way that it just everything that they they set up in that first, even just the first Jaeger battle, how it's like because the Gypsy Danger is a mark three three right. And they kind of, like, alluded to the fact that, eh, yeah, shit's going to go south. Mm-hmm. And you could kind of point to that as where, oh, the Jaeger program is... that Maybe it's not necessarily as effective as it once was, but not necessarily, oh, let's just stop doing this. Yeah. Well, and they point out the fact that you're throwing one giant monster and the monsters are getting bigger. You know, you're already at the Mark Three. They're having more difficult times taking down the monsters. It's so almost like they're learning and evolving. Here's a fun thing about this, though. Jeez. They talk about, you know, um, the different categories and the big, the higher the number, the bigger it is. Um, do you feel the movie at all actually captured that on screen? They all kind of just feel the same size to me throughout the movie well it's not sorry it's not just about like the size it's also about kind of the strength and the other enhancements i'm gonna go like just hide in my shirt I'm sorry. And how would they okay. measure that <laughs> yeah, so, how would they measure that i don't know it's a sci-fi fantasy movie okay so that being said how do you categorize a category five if you this is the first one we've ever seen how do you know that that's the case. Tendo's yeah. up on his shit, man. What do you want me to say? Okay, so we get into that. You know, once again, we're 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 grasping at straws because this is something that there's the only way oh, we're going to argue about this movie. I legitimately don't care because it's great. You know, to your point, you know, they point out the first one takes six days and all of these army guys to take it down, and now we're dealing with what probably category twos and threes by the time we're facing. Uh, but by the time Yancey, I believe Knifehead was a category three. Okay, so that's really biggest one of the, yet. Yeah, so the first category three. You know, so then all of a sudden you start to see, like you said, the future of this program is going to have a lot of issues. They mm-hmm. actually set all that up. Now, mm-hmm. having built all of that in the first fifteen minutes of a movie that has no predecessor, that has no fan fiction up to that point yet. Okay. <laughs> So well, well it's it, it's the world building of something like and maybe this is a blasphemous comparison but it's Star Wars. Star Wars is a lot of heavy lifting in those first like you've got to buy into this universe where it's all stuff that you haven't really seen before. Well, and but it's they all need in the scroll. In. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. I mean, it, it, it literally uh the exposition uh in the the first five minutes of this movie is very analogous to the scroll in Star Wars. Wow. And it's, you it know. You an idea there. how much Bob likes this movie. He's comparing Pacific Rim <laughs> to the Star Wars series. And I do mean the original trilogy. Yeah, we don't. Uh, yeah, the there's prequels a, there's are, a not different a, trilogy? are not a good thing in this house. No, when are they going to release the original cut on 4K? As soon as the new trilogy is over. And then we'll have to buy the stupid prequels again. You'll have to buy all nine in 4K. You know what, though, Jack? They'll they'll bundle it all together. It's fine as long as I get get those first three on Blu-ray. Or on the 4K Blu-ray. I'd really, like, fine. We could burn the other discs. I don't care. (laughs) 
I've got a way to destroy those. Do you? CD launcher. Mm. Birdshot. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's... <laughs> um, but, you know, it's it's that setting up the, that world. And, like, a lot of credit to them for this is the this is the period in their story when they decided to set this movie. You know, they could have pitched this to, um, to the studio, and the studio could have said, oh, that'll be a great way to end the series. Tell the tell the first two stories, and we'll set up a series, you know. So, uh, and you could argue that um, no, we're not. Ta- we're not. We're not no, addressing we're not, it. We're not talking because if we open that door, Bob, I'm not going to be able to not walk through. Yep. And I'm going to have a lot to say, and we've already done an hour and a half on it, and I'm sure we're going to talk about it at some point. Let's not open the door yet. Okay. So you know, it's it's a great it's a great <laughs> setup for the this world. And well, and you know what? What else is great? You know what's a great thing? Standalone fucking movies. Yeah. You can have a standalone movie. What are those? I don't know anymore. It's a standalone complex. Oh, I see what you did there. Pacific Rim. Pacific Rim. Um, so one thing I, I also kind of, while we're talking about like the categories and stuff... Is you see like uh, Cherno Alpha? I think they said was a Mark One Jaeger. Yes. And I don't remember um, what Crimson Typhoon was. Uh, they had to be Mark Four because the first and or first and only Mark Five is, is U- Eureka Striker. Striker. Right. Yeah. What I think there's something <laughs> talking about uh, continuities that are just kind of odd. <clears throat> so Striker ultimately defeats that. Kaiju in Sydney with missiles. Yes. Why do they need to be in a kaiju? Or not a kaiju, a Jaeger? Because. Hmm. Bob, I mean, I don't care. Because you have to soften Jack, you them are up. You're absolutely right. It is a Mark IV. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, again, we don't care. It's, but it is kind of funny. I, I mean, that's the thing. Whenever you look at it, they break it down to the fact that you have to soften them up because every single fight you can't just go right to the sword yeah. you can't just go right to the gun well no you have to yeah. well I almost like this is one of those movies where like I get the uh, I get the MST3K theme song going through my head where it's like repeat to yourself it's, it's just, just a show. show I should really <laughs> just, just relax, relax. But exactly. what, what if we said on every episode of this fucking podcast where we enjoyed something that is patently ridiculous? Mm-hmm. I don't care. Yeah. Show me more of Charlie Day's cute face. We're fine. Do your thing. Well, it's the thing. I don't want to see just finishing moves across the board. Oh, we shot a nuke at every single one of these. But I appreciate that the escalation isn't immediately to nukes like some other movies we could discuss, but we're not going to because this is a happy place. <laughs> Thank you. But, See, I'm trying. But that's the thing, too. You go through that progression, and it was the point that they were trying to avoid collateral damage. This thing had already gotten to the middle of the city by the time that uh, the Mark V got to it. And that's another part of it. Yeah. You know, normally they would, and you see it in the battle for Hong Kong, that they were getting ready to shoot it out in the ocean. Mm-hmm. They were trying to avoid collateral damage. And it, they just got stumped. Mm-hmm. Well, well, there was when 
so this is a little kind of circuitous, but I promise it's about the movie. Are you opening doors? No. Okay. Um, when when I did my first gig as a professional photographer, the my manager at the time he told he talked to me a lot about you know when when you're composing photos you're and you're editing photos you need to know the things that people like and what make things um you know that appeal to people they will never know they will just look at it and say i like this photo it's a beautiful photo Mm -hmm. right and it's a thing you know you're talking about like Composition, color theory, all that stuff, right? Contrasts, that kind but of thing. But it's even beyond that, though. To take it to the storytelling aspect, you've got Stryker in the city acting heroic. Now, people will see that on screen and say, "Oh, it's a big fun boss fight." But what's going on in the background is you're you're like, ah, this this robot is actually sitting up, standing up for the city, right? And one day after it was decommissioned. Yeah. So, you know, it is more, there's more to it than just then making sense necessarily. Mm -hmm. Well, because of that setup initially. Right. So, and that helps to kind of give you that feeling. Mm -hmm. I also love how I believe the kaiju's name is Mutavor. Just kind of destroys that fucking wall. Don't blink at me. I'm in too deep. I'm not blinking. I'm 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 just closing my That's eyes. That's true. That is a very long eye close. I'll give you that. I do enjoy how it's just like uh, fuck your wall. Yeah. Like oh yeah this nah. <laughs> yeah, because we all know walls work. They always keep things out, and there's no way around them, or under them, or through them. And that is our political sideswipe. Or over for the episode. Maybe a rope. Hey, it's <laughs> We're going to start a Jaeger program. Okay. Sorry. (laughs) We didn't watch the speech tonight. He could have said it. We don't know. Anyway, Pacific Rim. (laughs) Pacific Rim. (laughs) (laughs) I knew I was dancing with the devil on that one. In the pale moonlight, though? No. I got to find the... There's a picture. uh, or It's it's like a short comic. um, Like a three-panel job of... Yeah, his first one is he got the Joker. You ever dance with the Devil in the Pale Moonlight? What? And then Batman is sitting there with the trophy. Joker's <laughs> 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 like, that can't be real. <laughs> Just something I ask of all my prey. Uh, sorry, uh, Pacific Rim. So that actually leads into that next portion of the movie where the wall comes down. They show mm-hmm. the weakness in the wall. They start going back and saying, we need something. Well, the, the, what I really appreciate is this the inherent ridiculousness of the entire premise, right? Because mm-hmm. it's like, oh, there's giant uh, 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 monsters coming from the ocean. How do we combat this? Oh, let's build giant robots. But mm-hmm. then it's almost like they backpedal on the irrationality and they're like, oh, no, let's just build a big stupid wall. That's not even, this thing is like, it's not even taller than the kaiju. Which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just kind of kicks in the door like the fucking rock and it's like, mm, yeah, no. It's like it, Attack on Titan when he just kind of... Peeks over. Like, hey. That's a bleak fucking show, man. I couldn't get into it. Really? I watched the first no. season and that was a while ago. So the fun part about season one, and this is spoilers for anybody that's listening to it, 
you find out if you read the manga or manga as some people want to say that that final episode that they put in season one where they punch a hole in the wall mm-hmm. there's just smoke coming out of it in the anime in the manga there's a face behind that wall they're made out of titans interesting so that portion of it that you miss whenever you watch the anime they pick it up in the next season uh. but slight or slightly ruining that portion but it's the fact that you realize that your own monsters are the things that are protecting you and once again that comes back to this theme you're running into the fact that the jaegers were, were starting to be the reason that things were going bad right we're wasting all of these resources and all this talent and all this stuff on people that aren't effective, but they're the monsters that are saving you. Right. And we've proven that a wall is even less effective. Yeah. And so that's where they go back and they're finding Raleigh and they're looking for all of the other pilots, but once again, most of them are dead. Right. Right. Oh, I love on the, uh, is it in Alaska on the wall? Just the little details in there, like the different levels of where you work. That's how mm-hmm. many like food credits you'll get. Mm-hmm. Love that shit. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. like that tasty little, it's little tasty flavor. It's like the grandpa and the kid on the beach. It's that Guillermo del Toro flavor. You don't need it. It's the flavor text on the weapon in D&D. You don't need it, but it, it's, it, it just relates to the overall experience. It elevates the overall experience. There you go. What what is a flavor text? Oh, flavor text is even in like video games. So say in um, Horizon Zero Dawn, you pick up some armor or something, and it has, you know, oh this was found so and so where, and maybe oh it's backstory that kind of stuff for the that's flavor text. Okay, gotcha, 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 gotcha. Bob learned something new today. It's like the day I learned what a ship was. That was a dark day for you. Bob didn't know what shipping was. Shipping. In oh, the relationshiping? Yeah, in that okay. sense. I was like, yeah. That's FedEx. Giant boat. <laughs> giant boat. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the, scale, the scale on the container ship mm-hmm. is so far off. And it's like, I, I'm watching it, and I'm like, I don't care. Nope. Not at but all. But I can't not see it either. You know, it's like, the, the ship should be so much bigger. <laughs> It Don't should be care. wider. Yes. Okay, that's actually the big difference. The length actually scales up fine because there are a lot of really long container ships out there. Yeah. But the width, it needs to be wider, especially yeah. with the amount of stuff that they were showing at that dock. But then you can I mean, swing it like during the stick fighting. It, you mean the sword fight that they've been practicing <laughs> through all of this thing, right? As we know, Jack, oh. length is less important than girth. <laughs> important. <Yeah>. Important. <laughs> Oh, this is going to be our best episode ever. You're going to have to split this into two. No, no, we're going. We're just going. It'll be great. Okay. This is going to be a five-hour podcast. I got... I'll have a rough morning, but I will make this. We'll make make it do. We'll make it do. Um, So one thing that I do really appreciate overall in the movie is how they could really make it about Raleigh's man pain. But that's, and it is still kind of like a focus, but he never like dwells on it in that stupid brooding manner you it's, would normally get out of a dude. It's not his defining characteristic. It's not at all, and it's awesome. And the way that he is like, this is what I've learned about, you know, my kind of trauma and my shitty past. Mako, let me help you through yours. Mm-hmm. And I love that. 
Well, and that just leads into the whole intro of Mako. You know, right off the helicopter. Uh, she's standing there. She's she's quote-unquote insecure or insignificant compared to all of these, you know, burly people wandering around with well, turtles. We do have her kind of in the background in a lot of those initial shots. Yeah. yeah. Well, in the, the that initial uh, sequence where the helicopter's landing, she's walking over. That's one of the best shots scenes of the whole movie because it introduces you to a lot mm-hmm. yeah it introduces you a lot including that stupid parka the use yeah. the umbrella you don't even know about that part the umbrella i'm not talking about the umbrella i'm talking about the parka but jack said the umbrella i know he's talking yeah. about the umbrella i'm talking about the parka please <laughs> I, continue I, I don't know what parka you're talking about it's all right people know is it the k-science parka you said k-science yay <laughs> so confused right now but that's okay <laughs> this is bob's life now smile and nod uh-huh. 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 No, it's Smile a great. Wave, boys. It's like wave. when you laugh at something someone says, and they're like, "Do you have any idea what you, what I just said?" Yeah. No, I'm just doing this to be polite. Once again, smile and wave, boys. <laughs> smile and wave. Well, go ahead, Jack. No, I mean, and that's the thing. It's the whole lead up of her coming into the scene. You're building this idea that she's she's part of this. She's probably you know some sort of actuary. That's honestly, whenever I first watched it, I'm like, this is an insignificant person. She's going to have part of this. They just want to make sure that, you know, you realize, because early on, there's not a whole lot of diversity that they throw at you. I mean, I mean, there's diversity in the Shatterdome. I mean, you do see a fair amount of, you know, diversity among like races an and stuff. Not in Anchorage, no. And I'm talking w- about more in Hong Kong. Yeah, and that was the thing. They were trying to make this into a world-building thing, mm-hmm. and they do that very early, pointing out it's a world problem. They start giving you different accents, and now you've got this, uh, you've got somebody else being added into this. Okay, cool. Now you have a Japanese influence coming in. Cool. Where do they fit into this? Because we're dealing with Hong Kong mm-hmm. already. So you have her insignificant standing there trying to figure out where she fits and like i said i'm looking all around the scene in this movie and i see my favorite number in there 42 on the back wall i'm like <laughs> it's like oh to me it's foreshadowing because it's very important it's a very important number well i like that they have that little kind of like they're already oh, yeah. kind of verbally sparring a little bit because mm-hmm. she underestimates him and she just kind of always assumes that people underestimate her. Yep. But then he fires back with the Japanese. Yeah, that was And her golden. eyes kind of like, oh, oh, okay, cool. You that, know, that maybe was, I shouldn't like. It was Chinese, wasn't it? No. No. It was Japanese? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I don't know. They're in, they're in China. And she's Japanese. Okay. Well, and, I don't know. And they established that too later for her being from Tokyo. He, the Battle of Tokyo is when uh, uh, Pentecost yeah. steps out. Yeah, you're right. And he's fighting Onibaba. And we have our first Idrising shot. Oh, Idris. oh, the Idris. Yeah. Huh. So yeah, I guess I never really thought about it. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. Whenever you listen to a lot of anime in various forms, you pick up on some of the words, and then it's part of it. Uh. Uh-huh. I I know and he butchered I know line. what I know <laughs> <laughs> He's a horrible white guy Jack of course he well, did Well the the real frustrating part is I love this movie and 
Charlie Hunnam is probably the weakest part of the movie, and it focuses around him. He is definitely the lesser of the Charlies in the film. Well, yeah, and whenever it comes to his overall acting, I question a lot of it. I've watched all of the Sons of Anarchy stuff, and he has really one emotion, which is anger, that he really feels through all of that. Mm-hmm. He tries to go for some of the subtle stuff, and it doesn't, doesn't fit work so as well. well. No. I mean, I think he's fine in this movie. He's not my favorite part. I think he does his part fine. Yeah. You know, and his like I said, I appreciate what they do with the character and how they take it and how it's sure. not a typical male action role, which yeah. I mean, I'm always here for. I I 100% agree. It's just, you know, he's a weak actor. It, the weakest part of the movie for me and with all of these other things that are very much enjoyable. There's just a couple scenes where I'm like, yeah. Is there yeah. any scene in particular that really kind of falls flat for you? Uh, leading up to the fight with, uh, or with, uh, was it Herc's son? I can't remember his. Um, Chuck. Chuck. Chuck and Herc. Okay. The, uh, the Australian. Uh, leading up to that fight, it's the hand out and the stern face uh, with Mako alongside of him. That's a little over the top in that regards. You know, using the opposite hand, very unnatural mm. whenever you watch it. I'm, I was watching his face. I'm looking for, you know, any of these sort of facial tics that a lot of other actors will use. He goes f- stern and firm very quickly and holds that and doesn't really change his expression as the or as the escalation continues Mm -hmm. and that's where it took me out of it a little bit although him punching him in the face was just right on the little slap (laughs) that he does at the one point is just like oh tasty that's exactly what you need though because he was being a little as he said being a bitch Mm -hmm. so then we meet k-science which is a fan in term but i'm gonna fucking use it anyway (laughs) <laughs> well here I, what i really appreciate about these two is um the scientists the research division is that it's showing another kind of like drift compatibility because they're constantly fighting but they like they complement each other mm-hmm. and so ultimately that leads up to them being able to you know drift and save the day the other interesting thing is um, you also get to see kind of the results of uh, bad drifts mm-hmm. in that initial part, which is pretty cool, too. So you see uh, uh, Maka, well, Raleigh kind of gets knocked out of alignment first because he starts uh, hearing Yancey. And I mean, we're jumping forwards. We don't have to do that. We can talk about it more when we get there. Um, but uh, yeah, I just kind of noticed that more this movie or this viewing. And I appreciated that. Yeah, they really set it up right at the beginning of how they they have a they're pulling the rope the same way, but just not exactly in the same style. No, very know. antagonistic and delightful. Yeah, and they, they they do that right from the right from jump. Uh, uh-huh. And uh, yeah, I I enjoy new to tempting to make new friends, and failing miserably. <laughs> Showing off his wonderful tattoos. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, the tattoos. Oh, I could tell you some stories about the tattoos. I won't. Could I won't. You? I could. But why? Yeah. Uh, we won't. We won't get into that. They're just kaiju. <laughs> so they or they continue down the path. Yes. Yes. And Raleigh is kind of realizing how dire everything is because it's like, yeah, that's the research division, all of it. So you see what we're kind of working with here. Yeah, and there's a couple situations at this point in the movie where, 
he could just have walked away. They're already right. being actively antagonistic towards him. and But Stacker had that great line when they left the wall. Yeah. Bob, would you care to deliver it for us? No. <laughs> I never, I can't do lines on this show because I always fuck them up. I could I could sit here and probably recite from beginning to end Jurassic Park, but doesn't matter how doesn't matter how iconic the line is, I will screw it up. That's just where would you rather die, Bob? Here or in a Jaeger? I'd rather wait for it. Wait for it. Wait for it. We sing a lot on this podcast. <laughs> Not that that's a bad thing, but we do. Um. But no, so he's kind of like, you know, I think uh, Stacker had adequately kind of, no, we're fucked. This is fucked. Everything is fucked. So do you want to keep working on the fucked wall that's not going to do fucking anything? Or do you want to come and actually like try to be part of a long shot solution? Because mm-hmm. again, I don't know if you heard me say, we are fucked. And he's a dude that's working against his own like internal timeline too. Because you start seeing the, the bleeding, I mean, pretty early in the movie. Before mm-hmm. he even goes and talks to Raleigh. Right. So you know how fucked he is. Everything is fucked. Is the point Erica's trying to make right now. Yeah, and the big part that they lead into that with this movie is they really lean into the idea that nothing's going to go right. Mm-hmm. Right from the beginning. I, I like that so much, though. Because what, what does Pentecost say? He's like, no, nah, we're, the, we're the resistance. Like, we're the last kind of bastion they're... We don't have any funding anymore, man. We're just flying by the seat of our pants here. We're the here. last line of defense for humanity. <laughs> Dog noises, the podcast. Um, well, that leads us into uh, another great scene where we get introduced to all of the other Jaegers, the other Jaeger pilots, and uh, really kind of establishing, in again, in a very short period of time, more lore, more, like, backstory for these side characters. I mean, I don't think the Russians say anything, but you get a ton of information about them. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a reason that... I, I, there's a reason why in the greater sort of, like, terrifying, swirling just hole that is fandom in general, people have latched onto this movie. There's a lot of richness there. Well, I think he... It comes down to how skilled uh, Guillermo is at exposition and, you know, conveying it more through more than just the words. Yeah, I was going to say, in in a visual sense, it's Mm -hmm. very powerful for him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, and each of the different teams is so, and the Jaegers are all so different that it's... Everything has a sense of personality. Okay, going to the team thing... I have to ask, what were the Chinese guys doing playing three-man basketball? Why Literally, not? it was like monkey in the middle. Yeah, I was watching that. I was yeah, laughing. <laughs> I'm like, I've watched this so many times. I'm like, one of those guys should just go dunk on the other one. Oh, that's how they're practicing it. the thundercloud formation. No, oh, okay. Flailing around, throwing their arms in the air. I mean, that's basically what the thundercloud formation it's, it's, was. So, <laughs> But just little shit like that. Yeah, okay. They use the thundercloud formation, and Raleigh's like, oh, yeah, shit, that's cool. I know what that is. No, literally, yeah, though, I, yeah, it's just he, dumb yeah. little crap like that that's, like, just opens up all these worlds of possibilities. And rewatching it the 20th time, you 
pick up on some of those smaller things. Exactly. You know, wouldn't have picked that up on the first rounds. Like they're just playing basketball because they're guys. Right. I was trying to pick up some of the stuff from the Russians because they're always eating everything. They're, they're trying to get food. They're trying to get to food. They're, they have food. Get to each other. Yeah. Very important. Extremely. I believe they were prison guards, if uh, memory serves. They do say that in the movie. <laughs> I like how you're justifying it there. No problem. No problem at all. So we get through that portion where it's a brief introduction there. We build up the fact that you need Raleigh to do more than what he's currently doing. Right. Exactly. We, you know, we have a Jaeger for you. Mm -hmm. And you're one of the only ones, you're the, literally the only one who knows how to pilot one of these things or has ever done it before. So specifically a Mark III. So uh, tighten the fuck up and let's go. And then it's like, oh, by the way, we have all these other people we want you to check out and maybe they'll be compatible with you. Now, the one thing that towards the end of the movie, knowing that Stacker can drift with anybody. Yeah, that it because people and I we don't want to open a door. People get mad about certain things that happen in the future. But because that whole concept of drift compatibility throughout most of the movie is like this very special connection. Mm hmm. And then at the end of the movie, they kind of blow that all up with Stacker well, and, uh, they, and Chuck. They point out the fact, though, that he's one of the more unique characters because there's really... He carries nothing into the drift. Well, and I mean, you can look at it as a parallel between him and Raleigh, right? Yes. Where Raleigh yeah. was able to find two people to drift with. And, you know, Stacker was also able to find two Well, people. they also point out the fact that Stacker and Raleigh are very similar people whenever right. it comes to the way they battle the way they do things and the fact that they're the only two that have ever been known to pilot a jaeger on their own exactly so those sorts of things i have no problems with it's just more the fact that i would love to have had her charlie hunnam and idris alba in the same jaeger yelling at each other it, just for one seed i mean jack if you really want that <laughs> i can probably uh, wait are they going to do that in the third movie i can probably accommodate you i'll send you some links it'll be fine how are you doing over there, Bob? I'm doing well. You're doing good? I'm doing well. Outstanding. Mm -hmm. uh, so I do like that the solution to the problem is just to throw a nuke at it. Like, we've done other stuff, but yeah, we're just gonna, you know, we've gone after the breach before, and we've attempted to attack it, but this time, we're gonna use a nuclear weapon. Well, and they say that they've tried nuking it before and it didn't work. Yeah, just I will say that, that, uh, that area... Did not look like it had been nuked before. No, <laughs> no, it did not. <laughs> but it looks cool. Oh yeah. Um, it looks like the gates to hell. That's what mm -hmm. you're expecting. It's going to open up and just absorb you, and there's fire all around. It's perfect. Mm -hmm. It's a great scene setup. But uh, yeah, we're going we're going after the breach and. Also, I've decided instead of using Excel at work, I'm going to get a lot of very large chalkboards. Because I like that whole aesthetic. And just write my maths out on there. Oh, you, mm -hmm. know, you do know that numbers are as close as we get to the handwriting of God. I kept that one because that was... It's one I want to use later because I'm an engineer. So whenever I have an actual conversation <laughs> and somebody gets in an <laughs> argue with, argument with me about the math. Oh, what, what is, is it? it? Poetry, politics, poetry, poetry, politics, poetry, poetry, and something else. 
uh, these are all lies or whatever. And you got Newton in the background going, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> I would also like to point out that they have that line down the middle of the lab yes. and Charlie Day is clearly on the other side of the line, but it's only the entrails that are a problem <clears throat> because they're in love, Bob. <sighs> you knew it was coming. I've been resisting the entire time. And how long have we been recording for? 59 minutes and 47 seconds. Are you serious? Oh, yeah, really? we're not even halfway. <laughs> we're not even halfway. I wasn't kidding. Where you're going to have to split it's this. It's going to be the longest podcast of all time. Yay. You're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome. But I mean. Uh, so yes. So we're leading into this and they're getting everything prepped. We have the showdown between Mako and Raleigh. Because nobody else can fight him. Well, we also first establish that uh, uh, there's that wanting to drift with the kaiju brain, mm-hmm. which is kind of important to the overall movie. Fair. So that is thrown out there. Herman has heard that speech probably 50,000 times. And is just kind of over it. You're a dumbass. You're going to die. Whatever. And then we get to the uh, drift compatibility trials. Yeah. Uh, and we find out that... Uh, that Marshall Pentecost has... Uh, about as much will to resist goading as Marty McFly. <laughs> Would you just call me chicken? <laughs> oh, I haven't watched those movies in a really long time. I'm going to fire those up. Those are great. Oh, man. But, uh, Did you know that Chuck Berry didn't come up with Johnny B. Good? It was actually a white guy. <laughs> <laughs> I broke Bob. Yay. Okay. Good. Oh, and that's the thing. You watch the entire thing break down where you actually have somebody who we established early on that seemed sort of a actuary actually has been studying everything, everyone. She's very familiar with his fighting style, very familiar with the entirety of these people that are facing off and knows that she could kick his ass. Well, and she also, I believe they say it when they first introduce her, that she was in charge of the restoration of Gypsy Danger, mm-hmm. right? And you see in her room, she has, uh, I mean, it's, I think it's kind of mocked up to make her look like she's into that engineering stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's nice to see those little kind of like, no, there's more, there's more to this character than oh, just, absolutely. you know, being kind of a quiet and uh, they, they lean in a little bit. What you doing with that sock, Bob? <laughs> Nothing. Okay. <laughs> I'm. I'm not. Yeah. The. The. Okay. It's not distracting at all. <laughs> Are we boring you? No. Okay. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. Good. I'm glad. Um. You made me lose my train of thought, and I want to. <laughs> well, no. The, the problem with that is that there's one way I want to veer, but I'm trying not to veer that way because I don't want to bore you too. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so we get into that situation where she's very analytical. Oh, that's what it was. Okay. Uh, it's she's a what's the stereotypical Asian woman? It's that stereotype is that they're very subservient and quiet. And they lean into that a little bit in like the when you're first introduced to her character, and then you realize as you kind of hang out with her more that there's a lot more to her than just that, mm-hmm. and it's not just about. Is there more than meets the eye? <laughs> yeah, there is. 
You're still getting dragged at Bumblebee. You know that, right? Damn it. Why? Stop reminding me. I don't want to go. Don't. I hear good things, but there's just too much from the Michael Bay stuff. There's a lot of baggage there, Jack. I can't. I, I can't. Bumblebee was my third favorite character from the series. No, behind Optimus Prime and I'm so confused right now. It, people listening to this podcast, Bob is So we have a sock puppet going, going on right sock now. Cuz Bob is just really sick of talking about Pacific Rim apparently. I mean, you can go if Jack and I can finish. <laughs> if you're going to be distracting, no, I'm just I, I'm a little good. rude. You sure? I'm good. Yeah. Okay. It's a test. Is it? It's a test of your resolve for being able to talk about Pacific Rim. That's not a problem for me. <laughs> I was like, do you want to go there? Because <laughs> we can. <laughs> Friend. That's the thing. We or we get through this battle between the or these two main characters, and you see that she's done her homework. She knows what she's doing. And well, and he's picking up on the little mannerisms too mm-hmm. when he's fighting the other uh, candidates. Because yeah. he goes up and he's like, "Why you're like making these little faces every time like a match ends? Like, what's your fucking problem?" See, there, there's one, there's one issue with that continuity in the movie, is they talk about. You know, in the intro, like, oh, he was never the smartest. He was never the top athlete or anything like that. And, you know, the kind of the the things he's doing um, speak to a a, a much higher level of intelligence than necessarily he would have set up. That's the thing. It's wisdom versus intelligence. Right. You know, it's the ability. Those are two different ability scores, Bob. (laughs) It's the (laughs) difference between. Being able <laughs> to read somebody versus knowing what that means. Mm-hmm. You can see facial tics, but not knowing what that facial tick means, you, no idea. Now, street, far- street farts. Street farts. Street farts. Street smarts versus book smarts. You know, that's really what they're establishing at that point is the fact that he can actually read somebody. He knows whenever he's being played, but, you know, Nobody takes him seriously. Mm-hmm. So, oh, I mean, it's yeah. a good point, though, because mm-hmm. whenever you talk about it, there's a lot of that misconception that they load into it and that stuff. But it's the thing. At a certain point, they point out that there are other things that they're more compatible with. And going through that battle itself, you could see it. they made it into a dance, of course, in the movie, but... Well, and the movie shows you with uh, Geyser and Gottlieb that there are other ways to not determine drift compatibility, but to kind of... Because they're fighting constantly, but it's in a different way. That was a stretch a little bit. How about you go fuck to, yourself? To make your fan How about more? you go fuck yourself, Bob? <laughs> that was a good observation. Go to fucking hell. How's that? <laughs> Mr. Sock Puppet not even paying the fuck attention. Yeah, it's because, you know, marriages, you don't fight ever. Never. No, yeah. we don't fight. Never, not once. We never fight. Never done that before. Yeah, we don't do and that. Uh, yet I don't raise people, my voice. What are you talking about? Some people are still compatible. <laughs> cool comment collected. That's me. There's a balance. Are you put that fucking sock back in your hand? <laughs> I like to fidget with things. Looks like you're fidgeting with something. When did this become an X-rated podcast? <laughs> I mean, we are rated explicit. Okay, so. okay. So explicit. We, we got the rating. We got okay. the rating if we need to go there. Nice. 
Um, ba, 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 ba. So after that, um, we get uh, the fail. Well, not really the failed drift with the kaiju. It ends up working. Uh, maybe not in the way they were hoping for. Um, oh, we set up into we go from success to failure. Exactly. Because it's failure on the drift. It's failure on the other drift that we get between the two characters. Love know. the little side swipe at the end too. You drove me to this asshole. <clears throat> yeah, lovely. Love it. Also, that drift machine is fucking ridiculous in the best way. It's got that old timey like yeah, fire a, did, stoker. Can we? What? One of the things I, I absolutely love uh, as a result of this is uh, when Herman Gottlieb. Look okay. at you! You're listening. Uh, he, he storms into Pentecost. His summary is perfect. It is exactly as many words as you need and nothing more. Mm-hmm. And Idris's turn. <laughs> that turn's great, man. Is amazing. Oh, yeah. Well, because as Gottlieb is coming in, uh, Pentecost is like, I mean, like you can understand why this is kind of important, right? Like, your dumb bullshit, your science bullshit can wait. It's like, well, actually, maybe not so much. And here's where the trouble starts. Well, and that's the thing. It's once again, you're establishing the difference between these two characters and why they still work. You've got one that as soon as they walk into the room, Charlie Day's character, just starts yammering millions of words and syllables coming out of his mouth in direct opposition to Gottlieb. Mm-hmm. And yet they still work. So, they almost blow up the entire hangar. <laughs> Who activates or allows you to activate these weapons inside the bay? Well, that and the other thing that it seems kind of odd to me is because they talk about the simulator and Mako's got like yes. a 50 out of 50 on the simulator. Is there not like... I think it was 52 drops, 52 kills. It's 51. Was it 51? Okay. That one I got. <laughs> there was a five involved. <laughs> there was a five. Um, yes. You know, so you've got this. So is there not like, can you only drift with the robot? Okay. There's not like a, hey, let's test out drifting before we put you in a giant weapon of mass destruction. See, but, but the, I don't want to open the door, Bob. No, but that's the thing. They also point out the fact that this head is disconnected from the rest of the robot. Okay, they make it clear because they drop the head onto the robot multiple times in this movie and try and point out. So all these electrical systems work whenever they get put into the head. Why now do you drop it into the robot? You can actually walk through the diagnostics. Because you got to be able to do... Ooh, hands out. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Hands out showing some sort of martial arts pose. That's what we got to do. It's old-timey fighter pose. Yeah. Queensberry rules. Mm-hmm. So, yes, th- that's one of those where I'm like, okay, you got that. And then you got the fact that these guys are all rushing out of the room. Uh, we got to get out of the room. Clear the room. You're fucked either way. Although you can step, or the guy literally st- takes 30 seconds to step around the computer and pull the plug. Okay. He could have done that in the first f- five seconds of this starting to look bad. Tendo avoided the uh, garbage as well, right? He's not in there at all, is he? 
No, he's no, Westworlding no. it up, right? Yep. Um, yeah. And policing vegans, of course. Yes, of course. Very important. Um, do Do you not know that? Of all people, no idea what we're talking about. Are right you now. serious? Tendo is uh, one of the vegan police in Scott Pilgrim. Oh yes, okay, yeah, I've seen. Or he's also in the first Star Trek. Is he? Yes. Oh. Um. What was I gonna say? Oh, uh, Mako, um, mm. uh, falling out of sync. All those that whole sequence, mm-hmm. just the way that they kind of turn all the lights off in the uh, con pod, and then they, they use a lot of like uh, it's very uh, reminiscent, and I thousand percent sure we talked about this in our Shape of Water yep. episode of the scene where they're sitting at the table together, and then she goes into the dance sequence. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you fall into the memory. Yeah, brilliantly shot, just um, stunningly beautiful. The way the snow or the ash starts yep. to yeah. fall, and you've got all of the grays around there with this one red shoe in her hands, mm-hmm. and it gives you the focus of what this is all oh, about. The contrast. Oh, I mean, <laughs> once again, thank you, Del Toro. <laughs> I think Bob was specifically talking about the TV, but. If I had to hazard a guess. I could take both. both. I can't be both. Well, there is a criticism of this movie uh, that it's hard to see what's going on. And I do think in depending on where how you're viewing the movie, mm-hmm. that could be true. If you don't, if you have a crap TV that doesn't have good contrast or does not get black, get dark enough. I could see your your darks muddling together. Yeah, and especially in the big kaiju battle that we have mm-hmm. outside of Hong Kong, there's a lot going on in that sequence. Maybe and if you're getting any glare off of your viewing surface, you're missing a lot of the particle effects that we were pointing out. The all stuff, or, you know, all of that. Uh-huh. This is this is a movie that gains a lot by being on a high quality display. Yes, but I will also say that. You shouldn't then turn all of the lights on everywhere should you hypothetically decide to make another movie. (laughs) Keep the door shut, Bob. Those raptors are trying to get through. (laughs) But they don't know how to open doors, so So, it should be okay. So it was really nice to see on this TV. Oh, the first time I watched it downstairs, I was like, oh, that's why we got this stupid fucking expensive television. Okay, I understand now. And it's a 2013 movie, mm-hmm. um, and so uh, kind of at it, with a lot of CG. God knows there's a lot of CG, so um, seeing it still hold do well at 2018, 2019 now with a 4K upscale, and not feel like a mi- like there was anything that they could have done better. Well, and I think using the darkness and the rain to your advantage, mm-hmm. though, it's like with Jurassic Park. A lot of the times when you see, with the exception of the the greatest scene in cinema history, most of the times you see the dinosaurs, they're in the dark. And it just kind of helps to it helps with the illusion. It helps with the illusion because it hides the imperfections. Exactly. You know, if, if let's say, hypothetically, you were to show um, all these... Jaegers and Kaiju and the cold light of day 
um, they the imperfections might be more apparent. Uh, well, so someone standing on a rooftop when they should be fighting back. <laughs> Sorry, I'm closing the door again. <laughs> the door is closed and locked. We're good. I mean, Jack, what were you gonna say? Actually, what's a lot of fun is you see some of that in the closing credits. So they t- yeah. they take all those models and they show them to you. Oh, detexturize and uh, take the color out so you can actually see what they were working with. Oh, yeah. And that's even one of those little touches that, you know, after watching the movie and seeing all of the detail that went into it, to see the additional levels that they went through, uh, it was just one of those things that allows you to appreciate it a little bit more. And, of course, the the, uh, the mid-credit scene. But, <laughs> but oh, Ron Perlman. So, we don't deserve him. Yeah, so we're at this point in the movie where we've established all of these characters. We have, or we now have the drifts. We've had the failures. We've had, or we've had this background here. Mm-hmm. You know, now we're getting ready to put the plan in action. We're going to send the nuke, right? Oh, no, wait. There's two more that show up. First double event. You know what it, it reminded me of? It reminded me of playing the Battlestar Galactica board game <laughs> where every time you're ready to actually uh, do something or you think you're going to begin or pandemic mm. yep. um, and suddenly, Oh wait, no, there's another outbreak. Yep. Fucking a. Yeah. I mean, and that's what it is. It's it, once again, we set up in the previous scene, there's failures that are happening all over the place. We've got this plan. The, or we're going to do that. Oh, well, that failed. Uh, that failed. Oh, wait. Now it's just piling on top of each other at this point. By the way, you two are fucked up. We're not going to let you in the same uh, Jaeger again. It's just not going to happen. You sit here. Well, and you almost killed yourself by drifting with a kaiju. I need you to do that again, please. Yeah, that one is, you know, just go do that because you're more useful that way. Right. Go talk to this like horrifically like yeah. <laughs> dangerous arms dealer, but you'll be fine. Don't worry about yeah. it. It'll be good. We trust you because you're the mad scientist. But these people that are trained in what they're doing, they can't go yeah, out together. Do that. that doesn't happen. So it's a, it's an interesting uh, exercise in situational awareness. And, and one of the things that does point out is all of the characters are fallible mm-hmm. because this is Pentecost's opportunity to really put things forward and fix it. And he makes decisions that are very questionable. Yeah, it all works out in the end because it's a good movie, you know. And or we'll forgive those because we get some of the best lines in the movie coming up. So, uh, so we go into the battle. This is the next portion. You know, you've got these large kaiju on the way. You know, category fours to the double oh, event. What was it? Otachi and Leatherback, yes. I believe. So we lead in. We've got. Or we're, we're going to put. The two older models out there, they're going to be front guard. You're too important to do anything, uh, Eureka. Yeah, you you sit in the you back. Stand there and you watch. stand there and watch I, them die. I, I have to ask, is there something... It was a specific to y- me question? Yes. Is there Why so- is that, Bob? Is Why are you specifically asking me a question? In the greater... Are, are you looking for my expertise in a certain uh, field? Bob, you're in a very dangerous space now. In a greater realm... Where they explain who names the kaiju. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. But it's different for everybody. Well, we get knife head and leather back, and then we have Otachi. That's just the quick rundown of the ones that we have here. I believe Otachi means sword. So in the greater sort of realm of the movie, 
and gets killed with that's the sword. how you kill him <laughs> i don't i mean i don't know why they named it that but i mean the first one is trespasser because obviously and then um there there is uh, oh jesus there is this is it's so embarrassing. This was people. a yes or no question. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Bob, you let her down the rabbit hole. We'll simplify. She's, she's now chasing the rabbit. We'll simplify. <laughs> yes. Cool. Yes, there is. Which, which I will say is probably one of my favorite acronyms of all time for any movie, Chasing the Rabbit, the Random Access Brain Impulse Triggers. And then he immediately I've, says their memories don't chase them. Yeah. Hey, thanks, Raleigh. I got it. Yeah, I got it, babe. Thanks. D- don't chase the rabbit. So, for <laughs> science, you monster. But that, yeah, leading her down that path, you know, I, I get it, because he got her brain busted for a moment there. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, ah, there's more here. I know it's in there somewhere. The garbage bags are piling up, Bob. <laughs> so I'm gonna start losing vital information soon. <laughs> Every time I learn something new, it pushes some old stuff out. Uh, the one time I, or I remember was I drank too much and I forgot how to drive. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Ron Perlman is in this movie. And is, is a delight from uh, Go. With the best name <laughs> explanation. My first favorite historical figure and my second favorite Szechuan restaurant in Brooklyn. <laughs> like, that's beautiful. Oh, and everything about his character is just like, mwah, it's perfection. Those stupid fucking shoes, the glasses, like, stop it. Just I, stop it. I feel like they opened up a door to one of those uh, costume uh, closets and said just go pick out whatever you think would be fun you do you babe yeah <laughs> the Toro and him went down there and he was like i trust you man we've, I mean, we've done we've, this isn't our first radio we've done this a lot together you go ahead i even love the fact that he got the grill to match the boots it's <laughs> <laughs> outstanding that's just the touch that you just can only hope for i feel i feel a lot of the way i feel uh, about hannibal chow it's similar to how I feel about Arya from the Mass Effect universe mm-hmm. um, and kind of that Omega world and the kind of like all that stuff. And uh, I, I desperately want more, but they'll fuck it up in the DLC and make it lame. Uh, or they'll just completely ignore it. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, <laughs> the, the little bit of characterization we got, we, we didn't need, I didn't need a ton of, the story of Hannibal Chow. No, you don't. It's just a taste. It's yeah. amazing. It's just yeah. a little little spice on the top. You get all you need. Yep. Everything you need is there. Mm-hmm. So. Well, also, we find out that uh, earlier uh, that Pentecost has promised him exclusive rights to the kaiju remains mm-hmm. for money to keep the PPDC afloat. Just throwing that out there. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, more than their eight months that they were given. Exactly. So. But then it leads into, you know, one of the more enjoyable battles, you know, just because they show how the Jaeger program has failed, how it has fallen. Once again, it's leading into everything is failing yep. in the worst possible We're all way. so fucked. Yeah. Well, because you've got Eternal Alpha is a Mach 1. Yep. So, you know, they do what they can. I love the design of that stupid Jaeger. Oh, yeah. Even just like their suits. 
just the the personality and the we talked about that earlier the style of each one is so distinct and unique Mm -hmm. that it's it's just it's awesome well and you've got the crimson her crimson typhoon out there cutting things up and then just getting rocked gets spanked like immediately flailing around next thing you know it's heads crushed you've got the triplets are gone You've got Cherno Alpha trying to survive a battle in which it has no right to, and Eureka is trying to get to the battle a little bit too late. You know, right, right. Well, they were told stay back. Right, you stay and Just, you watch watch everyone die. Once again, back to Stacker telling them, "Don't go and be a hero. Don't get the ship." Yeah, right. it's like, no, fuck that. We can't. We can't. We're not that way. And so once again, they show off how these pilots have always been this way. And listening to actual orders is not a strong suit for any of them. No, very insubordinate. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, but we get this, we get the battle, and even going into that uh, design that you talk about with uh, Cherno Alpha, so they get blasted in the face with acid. They go down underwater. Now, any of the other Jaegers, these guys survive. They battle for another couple hours because they're all in enclosed helmets. These two do not. Enclosed helmets. Yep. And you'll notice uh, that, I mean, Gypsy Danger had escape pods. Mm-hmm. Journal Alpha apparently did not. Hmm. Well, I mean, and Gypsy Danger shows that. They don't show that on Eureka. They don't. They don't. Um, That's true. But nobody needed an escape pod until all of a sudden Plot needed it. Fair. I mean. Though I feel like Chuck may have mentioned that they needed to get out of there. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if maybe they they did. Can we talk about how great that is? Where it's like, okay, we're 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 fucked here, yeah. but we're the only ones standing between this giant monster and a city of how 10 many million. ten million people. So let's go do something exceptionally stupid. And then they do the uh, yeah, they do our <laughs> the Pulp Fiction pose with the guns and <laughs> they fire some flares into Leatherback's face. And we kind of give it our get our second Idris moment. You know, I feel like there's a little bit of that. You know. But the one thing... Oh, as Gypsy approaches. Yes, Yes. as Gypsy uh, floats in. Because once again, this is the one thing that I will not let us skip. We get the best question that we're of what we're going to do. What can we do? Everything's digital. It's all broken down. And here comes Charlie Hunnam. Please, Bob, please answer the question. Is nuclear digital or analog? It is analog. Yeah, apparently it is, and nothing in that Jaeger. Point of order. <laughs> oh. When we sat down to watch this a few weeks ago, just on a whim, he texted you, Jack, I have a question for you, and you immediately said it. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and it was just like, just, oh, I, just, I laughed for 10 minutes, and I was like, my heart is full of sunshine and rainbows. I just sent over analog. <laughs> <laughs> He goes, I think you just killed Erica. <laughs> because, because that's been the thing. You know, whenever there's so many lines in this movie that are memorable, the ones that we catch that are just kind of garbage are so much fun to make fun of and enjoy because it enriches the actual story yep. on the other portion. We get it. It's a very digital world. Okay. There's no way Gypsy Danger is seen as anything but a digital creature. But we've got to be told that's the way the plot works. And you know what? Totally fine I'm with okay it. with it. I'm completely I love it. fine with it. 
I love it for me. because we get a couple minutes later, the helicopters, which are definitely digital, carry him into battle. That's not the conversation here. Oh, I love those dumb helicopters. Well, though. I also I also like like if you look at the timing of that scene, like they're coming up out of the Jaeger within minutes mm-hmm. and like they're not even suited up in nope. the Shatter Dome. Nope. So they get suited up in and launched in, in, in like two minutes. Yeah. You know what though, Bob? Don't care. Don't care. No. No. Don't care. It's like that long hallway from the assets uh, containment unit right out to the uh, outside. Yeah. Works for me. Totally fine. Mm-hmm. Oh, and that's the thing. It even or, And I get to point one other plot hole that I really enjoy is the fact we're going through all of this digital. We can't, we can't start anything. Everything's dead. None of the machines work. How do you get the fucking doors open? <laughs> how, do you, how do you drop the head that's not attached as we've shown in multiple uh, manual signs. override man you're all right yeah so all of this stuff <laughs> you I'm, go into steampunk mode yeah oh and that's the thing all of this stuff i'm watching the movie my 20th time i'm loving every moment of it i'm only asking these questions because we're sitting here at the table going you know how can i poke a hole in this here here's a question for you um one of the things that i i try really hard to talk to think about when on these podcasts is um, how how are we determining when like a movie um when when we get to that point where we don't care about the plot holes and you know the easy answer is well we enjoyed it but one of the things I'm wondering is at any point in this movie does the movie tell you um there's plot holes in here we don't care the opening I mean, to be fair, they leave a lot in the mythos of how they handled all of this. I mm-hmm. get the fact that, you know, th- even the conversation of shutting down the Jaeger program, no matter how expensive it is, even governments, for the most part... Oh, they're throwing as much money yeah. as possible yeah. at this. Yeah, well, and right. they're not being stupid about it, going, okay, fine, we get it, the Jaeger program sucks, but it's the best thing we have. Right. Let's just or let's build the wall while we continue to support this, and then right. we'll shut down everything and go there. That's the biggest plot hole right at the beginning. I will also say though that the movie needs to have the viewer buy into the rules of the world, mm-hmm. and then as long as the movie continues to adhere to those rules and doesn't make a point of like looking at the camera and then going like, "Oh, but what about that?" Hmm? Like, think about in uh, Fury Road. If they had suddenly been like, oh, the rig is out of gas. We need to go find gas. But we've already kind of established that like, we, we, don't, we don't need to do that. We don't care about that. Whatever. It's fine. Just, mm-hmm. I don't care about that. Like, you know, don't call attention to it. Set up your rules, adhere to your rules, and then let's go and, off to the races. Right. Brush off the rest of it. Right. You yeah. know, and it's also a movie about giant robots fighting giant monsters. I do, I do appreciate the, one one thing that drives me nuts in movies is when people are just blatantly stupid. Oh, it was oh, one yeah. of the biggest problems we had with uh, Alien Covenant comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Where it's just like they land on this alien world and they don't have like helmets on. They don't have any kind of breathing apparatus. It's all just like ah, this place is great. Oh, and we have like 
5,000 uh, people on the spaceship that's up in orbit, but we're going to stop down here for this wholly pointless aside. Because we need to have a movie. But you don't get that in this movie. Now, you may have legitimate questions about decisions uh, Marshall Pentecost made. I mean, I have many questions, but most of them have been answered to various degrees of, uh, of uh, you know, wanting or needing or mm-hmm. curiosity. Um, but none, none of the decisions are just outright stupid. No. Not no, th- I'm never looking at any of these I characters mean, going like, wow, you're a fucking dumbass. I mean, even the conversations where I'm trying to point out Pentecost's poor decision making, it's in retrospect. Okay. Right. You you look at where his vision is at the time it happens, and why would you put Mako and Raleigh back into a Jaeger together so shortly after they almost blew up the entire area? Well, and he also has, he's emotionally compromised. He cares Correct. about Mako. He doesn't mm-hmm. want to put her... He knows what happens out there. He doesn't want that to happen to her, no matter how much she may want it. Correct. You know, and we established some of those things. I, I pointed out later, just because of the failures, but the ideas behind all of their decision-making mm-hmm. was sound at the time, because yeah. that's what they knew. I well, mean, besides Charlie's decision to you know jack into a kaiju brain. Okay. But he, even, he knew even it, that... He knew it was a bad idea, I could but, say so far. Mm, but but I'm he is fighting he, to keep that tiger at but, bay, guys. But he has established the fact that he's willing to take those sorts of risks, right? And it's well within the character. It's not a yeah. terrible decision. It's just not a smart one, and that's completely believable with the character that we get. I think. I think nicely it, done, Jack. Yes, well, very nicely done. And I think it speaks to why a lot about why like we can tolerate some things and why we can not tolerate other things like i can tolerate that there are rules in this world that have been established that um clearly they make no sense but they're the rules of the universe Mm -hmm. um it's hard for me to to establish that people are just fucking stupid and make dumb decisions well Mm -hmm. i think it's also like in just the context right we're at the this is it this is the this is the end. This doesn't work. We're all fucked. So I think everybody who works for the PPDC gets that. So that's why you're you seeing... You say that way too quickly. Sorry. <laughs> you're seeing uh, riskier behavior. Not, not for understanding. Mm-hmm. Just it's disturbing how quick that just rolls off your tongue. Mm-hmm. I know. I know. Okay. <laughs> I think she was practicing. Yeah, in the mirror. She was getting ready for this. She knew this was coming. Whenever we talked about doing this movie, we knew this was not going to be an hour-long discussion. Let's be very, very clear. This was not going to be an hour. We covered 15 minutes of the movie in an hour. (laughs) And I'm holding back. Yeah. Yeah, because she's holding back all the fan fiction, not the movie discussion. (laughs) You're not wrong. (laughs) So, I mean, so we get to this point with these guys where the battle happens. We've got a bunch of stupid stuff. Hmm. Oh, no. Continue, please. I have a question for the both of you because I'm curious. Gypsy danger gets dropped off. Mm -hmm. This is where we are in the movie. Immediately after they were able to see the video, Gypsy goes right for the weapon that he sees as being the biggest obstacle. Mm -hmm. All of the lights are back on in uh, Hong Kong behind him. Mm -hmm. So we're ready to go. 
He rips or rips out the weapon, uh, and then has its way with just getting wrecked and wrecking this giant creature. Now, once again, we established through earlier battles and through Raleigh's experience that he's not taking it lightly. He looks through, and he's been very clear in everything that we've seen up to this point that he's an improviser. Mako mm-hmm. points it out in many situations. He grabs uh, items all over the place, uses them to his advantage. Not stuff that Mako's looking for, and you can tell that. And that was actually one of the things that was kind of interesting, and it's going to kind of sidestep into a conversation you and I had a little bit ago, Erica, which was there's a guy that does podcasts, and I need to cite my sources. I know I need to do better at that. That does a lot of these superhero theory type things, why you should never do a superhero landing, that sort of stuff. And he breaks into the idea. We have some wrestlers we may need to send that. Yeah. So, so <laughs> every time I see him do it, I'm like, "Your knees." Yeah, and they, they, he goes into the physics of why you should never do it. And yeah. this guy's actually one of the, or one of those guys that tries to give scientific explanations. I don't know his credibility, but one of the things he went into was why the uh, drift needs two brains. Know, the neural load that we discuss okay he breaks it down as to you know the it's not the fact that the brain can't handle it he breaks it down to the fact that you're trying to rely on multiple experiences at the same time being or trying to throw people in that don't have that much combat experience they have little bit of combat experience they have a little bit of training in these jaegers and so you're taking these two minds and you're melding them together and getting the combined experience of these two people and which you get some of that you start seeing that in this battle you know it's not just the narrow load of being able to handle it it's being able to handle all the stuff around it like we see uh, uh what was it raleigh at one point i've got the or i've got the tail you vent the coolant you know, we get that sort of thing where we've got this interaction between these two characters that would not happen if you don't have the drift, which is established in here. Mm-hmm. So it kind of builds into that. And seeing that start to bear out quickly is the reward you get for letting these two characters be in the same room. Mm-hmm. Well, and you can see, you see also in here, like the the battle starts much more um, with Raleigh dominant in the situation and like you talked about like he's an improviser gets the ship all that other Mm -hmm. stuff and then you you'll hear throughout you know like why didn't they go for the sword right away well there's plot reasons there's storytelling reasons for that but there's also it's an escalation thing too we'll get get to it but i mean also it kind of goes towards um you know Raleigh being dominant versus, you know, tort later as Mako gets more comfortable. Um, comfortable and it's like, no, I know all, I know how to do this by the book, and I know that there's a sword here. So, right. So you can kind of assume maybe it's one of the newer enhancements. Right. Which is also one of the fun parts of it's like, oh, I, or, I, I know of the sword, which is the button below the gun. <laughs> okay, so that was the only. Or He's only going other, off a of muscle memory, yeah, man. He doesn't remember that and shit, and that's fine. But it was the only other moment of like, okay, I'm rewatching this movie. Can I catch another plot hole? Oh, there it is. The button below the gun 
is the sword He didn't button. ask what that button was. Yeah. It says sword in five letters. It wasn't in uh, Japanese kanji. There was, was a lot of water. It was a very stressful situation. <laughs> I know, but it just... It was I know, it's ridiculous. Ma- ma- he ma- thought it was a dick joke. How about on the other side of it? It was on the left side, her left, on the far left, so we can explain it that it was only on her side of the thing. <laughs> Here, I'm giving credence. I'm giving an op- opportunity for rationalization. But I'll <laughs> rationalize it somewhere else. But I mean, you're, you're, the point's well made. Whenever it comes to that, you you see that progression, and that's kind of the fun part of the way they wrote or they wrote this movie and played it out. Mm-hmm. You know, that's mm-hmm. the reason why it's an enjoyable movie. Well, and that's the whole thing. It's like, well, this it's because this way is more enjoyable. If yeah. they did it that way, we don't have a movie. So how about you shut the fuck up, Captain Killjoy? <laughs> and that's great whenever you establish that early too mm-hmm. and you continue to drive that point home i'm not gonna say it i had an, or i had another point but it brings in a movie are I'm we opening doors no. let's not open doors no, jack i'm not i'm not talking about how are we opening doors or is this oh okay this is the happy place thing not the opening yeah, doors. i'm not yeah, metropolis and gotham are not across the bay from each other no they're not they're not at all <laughs> it's amazing. Okay, so the kaiju get to newt. What the what? What are you doing? What, what are you doing when you get there? Like, what's what's um, the point of that? Obviously, they know where he is because of the hive mind thing. But what mm-hmm. was the what was the plan there? You just eating him? You bringing him back? What are you doing? Maybe discuss. I mean, he licked him. Kind of. He did. I, he got to the point where he licked him, and all he has to do is just go flick, and he's dead. Indeed. So, well, you know, I think you're, you're, you want to kill him so he doesn't get any more information, right? His knowledge is there, and but you've identified he's there, and you have identified that he doesn't give a shit about all the other people in that bunker. <laughs> Which is great. Squish. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. But uh, this is, you know, the deus ex machina moment of, you know, here comes Gypsy Danger <laughs> carrying a big boat. Well, and it's hubris. He says at the beginning so, of the movie, you always wanted to see a kaiju up close. There you go, buddy. Mm-hmm. How'd that work out for you? Yeah. A little uh, traumatic, a uh, little bad. <laughs> those are the sorts of things that, you know, it's like, this is this is the fun part. It's like, oh, wait, I hear something coming. And you just see, that he even they even allow the monster to have that moment of, What's that? You can see just the eyebrow, eye ridge. That's outstanding. Move. Yeah, right. What? What? Yeah. What? He stop, turn, and there comes Gypsy. And Glorious. With one of my favorite weapons of the entire movie, because there are a lot of great weapons in this movie, this one's the best. <laughs> just because. It is outstanding. I'm going to beat you with this stick. It's legit. Oh, by the <laughs> way, it's a boat. <laughs> what a boat, Sorry. motherfucker. Sorry, a ship. <laughs> As we discussed, shipping. Uh, I, I love the uh, the colors in the city in this scene. Just, oh, it's, yeah, it's great. I know, like oh, you yeah. say, sometimes it can be a little muddled, but I, I don't think of it. Like, I think when I think muddled, I think the Michael Bay Transformers movies, mm-hmm. where you really can't tell what the fuck is going on when the robots are fighting. It's all grays and blacks. Exactly. With this, I mean, stuff at least has color, mm-hmm. you know? Or there's a t- an attempt at some personality and some differentiation between the different bots and the different uh, kaiju. So you, there is... I, I never think of it as muddled, personally. Oh, and they always try and point out, especially on the robots, that they have the capability of 
lighting up the area. I mean, Gypsy's got like three lights that are always on. Well, and that's why they have the helicopters because they're like spotters. Yeah. I love those stupid yeah, well, They call out, spot, or at this point in the movie, they call out, we lost him. You know, helicopters help me, basically. So that Everything sort of thing. Everything has a purpose. Yeah. You know, you don't set something up that doesn't get used. Well, that's the great thing about a Del Toro movie. Mm-hmm. Everything is used. So they come back after winning and defeating the kaiju. Uh, welcomed as, like, heroes and stackers. Like, yeah, I'm proud of you guys, but... Um, I'm going to bleed all over you. I'm going to bleed all over you. <laughs> and then uh, we still got to... We got to huck that nuke at the breach, so... Um, regroup. Yeah, regroup. Mm-hmm. Stop celebrating. Stop being happy. <laughs> Start talking about shitty movies. Um, so, Bob, I'm going to pose a question to you. Yeah. Better speech... We're canceling the apocalypse or Independence Day? Uh, the better speech is Independence Day, but um, the better tagline. The better tagline is Pacific Rim. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Just want to get you on the record. This is our Independence Day. The best part of that speech is that one guy saluting empathetically to uh, uh, President Bill Pullman. I love that part. It sticks out in my memory like a beacon. Just that part mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. none of you could see me do that but the gentleman before me so <laughs> sorry we'll throw a gif up somewhere I say i almost forgot that we actually had these in front of us for a few <laughs> moments there or whatever we were discussing it's been a good chat it's been a good chat uh, so we get to or we establish that we're heading to the breach right we've got a nuclear weapon strapped to our ass yes on eureka they've we- got two kaiju um just circling I believe it. You know what? I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to embarrass myself. I know the names, but you guys don't need to know the names. <laughs> Moving on. So you have two circling the breach, and they can't. They're like, well, what the fuck are they doing? And it's like, oh, well, they're guarding it because they know what's happening because of the human uh, uh, kaiju breach shenanigans. Mm-hmm. Or drift shenanigans, excuse me. Um, oh, Otachi ended up being pregnant for reasons because we need a brain to drift with to establish, to, to finish our movie up with. Mm-hmm. So and using a damaged brain is not acceptable, even though the one that they had was damaged. Indeed, indeed. Shut up, Jack. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. <laughs> I'm going to point out the plot holes because it's funnier this way right now. <laughs> well, and I mean that entire scene just happens because he uh, Del Toro wants to kill a couple of people. Yes, because yeah. you could have just just as easily just have had the brain recovered. Yeah. No, he wanted to have the uh, the rad suits that they were going into the kaiju in. He had a drawing of that, and he's like, no, we're fucking, this, this is staying in. And he needed more Ron Perlman. Perlman. He needed more Ron Perlman, and we needed to uh, chase Charlie Day around just a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm completely fine with all of that. Oh, I know totally fine. I have no issue. I know it's one of those where it's like, the, yeah, nope. cool, but... Totally cool if, with it. You know what? If, if this was a not great movie and it felt long this this would probably be one of those where we'd be like why are we doing this yeah you could have got this but But you know it works it's fun we're enjoying this movie so much that we're trying to find the plot holes and then laughing at them because they're enjoyable plot holes to the point where it's like why are we doing this because we can yeah because we want more screen time with these characters i have no problems with ron perlman coming back on screen and throwing a 
butterfly oh knife into its nose. When he runs away and he comes back, no, I knew, I knew, I knew. <laughs> and I knew he's out of breath. Dead. Yeah, yeah I knew it would be dead. <laughs> Two minutes. I yeah. knew it. I knew it from looking. It's all good. <laughs> yeah. And then he gets eaten, <laughs> and it's wonderful. <laughs> And that's the thing. You're watching all of that. It's like, this is fun. And that's the biggest thing, right, Jack? I can forgive so much as long as your movie is fun. They already established these characters are ridiculous, and this is going to be a ridiculous scene with these two characters in it. You know it. If anyone has had seen It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, you're casting Charlie Day as a super smart scientist? Okay, sure. Let's do it. Why not? Mm-hmm. What do now, Bob? Casting. It's important. It is very important. Extremely important, especially whenever you choose it in really weird ways. <laughs> you, you, people you don't expect. You know, I'm, I'm not going to a movie and expecting The Rock to be a scientist. Okay. But if he is, but if he I'm is, I'm going to enjoy the yeah, shit out of it. Uh, yeah, me too. Well, especially I, if they establish him with credit in the movie. I, I just I appreciate actors who are really willing to lean into it and be like, This is a ridiculous movie. It's it's go time. I'm going to play it completely straight because I'm actually kind of a bomb ass actor and no one seems to realize it. Small television husband. We love him. Very much so. Moving on. <laughs> um so yeah, we're uh, uh, they get down to the uh, the breach. It's Striker Eureka and uh, uh, Gypsy Danger, and uh, of course we get the first uh, category five, mm-hmm. which is super fun. At the same time that the uh, uh, Gottlieb and Geisler are drifting with the Kaiju brain and realizing that oh wait, maybe this isn't going to work unless we do something else. Mm-hmm. So, uh, because cell phones or uh, walkie-talkies don't exist, even though Gottlieb was using one in that scene, uh, they have to get back to uh, the Shattered Dome, uh, call Hercules Henson a fascist to get to the microphone, and then go about uh, explaining why the plan is not going to work. Mm-hmm. And through all of that, it's just a rush. Yes. It's gotten to the point where we're we're at the climax of this movie. We know it's coming. Mm-hmm. There's something going to happen. It, we're going to blow up something. It's yes. going to be awesome. Yes. Okay. Well, because we've already had our big, stupid, prolonged robot monster fighting. Yep. Which so is we get we a little bit of it here, but really that that one where all of the two Jaegers fall. That's kind of the that's your meaty fight for this for this movie. Mm-hmm. Yep. And they establish at this point that there's two swords on Gypsy Danger, yes. which we did not know about. We did about. not know that, no. So Why didn't they use them both before? Because Shut up. they only knew of one. <laughs> they forgot. It was a busy battle. It's okay. <laughs> Very uh, stressful. So they're underwater. They're, rush- they're rushing to the breach. They've, they get ambushed by the two Category 4s. The Category 5 gets the drop on uh, Striker Eureka, even though... I just knows. He just knows that something's not right. Well, because he says they're not attacking, yeah. right? They're just going to let there. him go, and right. it'll be fine. It'll all blow up. You know? And then we get the extra, which is awesome. You you get the reveal, you get or you get the twist. Now all of a sudden you have <laughs> or you have one more big battle. Right. Okay. Because you need a bits of the kaiju to get through the breach. Yeah. We get that. Now all of a sudden we're trying to fight for our lives. We're trying to get 
a piece of the creature and we're going to dive in. Mm-hmm. And then we get one of my favorite visual effects in the entire movie, the nuclear blast. We, we get the heroes fall from both the young man and Pentecost. We get, we get the uh, quick conversations with their loved ones that everybody seems to need. I was okay with them hitting the button. I'm sorry. I'm not that. It's a movie. I'm not a super. I, I don't need that sentimental portion of my movies. It's a I don't. Movie. Because they've already established as they walk out the door, they're never coming. They're not coming back. Right. They have no expectations of coming back. So well, especially not if you're the one with the nuke on your back. Right? Yeah. So you hit the button. I push the button. And the explosion, a deep underwater explosion, creates this vacuum of space. And awesome. tsunamis fucking everywhere. Assumingly. Yeah, it, that's it, that's something for the rest of the world to worry about. I right mean, we here. do have the wall up though, so I'm sure we're fine. Yeah. So that Mexico paid for. Well, um, <laughs> your program. It's gonna be great. So, so, just the fact though on this explosion that we've got fish. The fish survive. <laughs> flopping is the best. Right in front of the screen, they uh, they decide that Highly you know what radiated fish. We've already blown this shit up. Let's make it more authentic. We're going to drop fish out of the air, which would have been vaporized. I love it. I just love the flop. You've got kaiju flop, meat, flop, flop, flop. and you got fish dropping all over the it's place. It's a great visual. Yeah. And they're, or they're sitting there. They even have Gypsy look at the center and like, oh, look, there's nothing there. Oh, wait. wait. Wall of water, wall of water, wall of water. <laughs> so we get the payoff, okay? We really get that payoff of the climax of the movie where a lot of other movies have failed. Mm. Now, especially lately, you run into just either too long of a climax or one that really doesn't fit the scene that we've been setting up. You know, this is everything you're asking out of it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's predictable. I mean, you know what's ultimately going to happen, but I don't care because mm-hmm. it, it works. Mm-hmm. Well, and at that point, you're rooting for the characters to do it. Right. You know, you're hoping that they succeed. They've already just faced down another group of kaiju, and this could be the end. And then you get the one twist that I I get it. I think they really want, or I think he wanted that one last big scene for him to show how badass they are, where they dive into the category five. But I would have been fine with them dragging and diving in, you know, with the corpse. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it kind of is like one. Where th- were they already holding the corpse? Didn't the corpse get blasted back? Yeah. Plot holes we don't care well, about. It was behind them, and it, they established that before that they, they split it, they, it. They split it in half, gotcha. and it falls behind them. I'm going to create the <laughs> continuity correction. I, definitely don't think we needed the Category Five to come back. Especially, I mean, I understand why they did it, but it was just like, nah, you know. I mean, jumping in and and attacking the, um, yeah, I'm not gonna use. Yeah, the uh, uh, where the kaiju, the breach. Yep. Um, that's enough, I think, at that point. And you have enough drama and stuff going on there that you don't really need anything else to be happening. But you needed the Category 5 to damage the life support system, so Mako was losing oxygen, and then Riley had to give her his oxygen, but then he can breathe without oxygen. I will say that with, that, <laughs> that is also a little pointless in the grand scheme. Yeah, and, and that's the reason why I said that the ending is, for me, the weakest part, mm-hmm. because I've watched enough anime. 
I've watched enough real tragedy stories that I enjoy mm-hmm. the fact that the hero doesn't always survive. And that's an important part to understand. There's mm-hmm. consequences for all of this. Mako makes it out because Raleigh decides to lay down his life. That decision's made. That's what I needed. And he hits the button and he goes up with Gypsy Danger. That's the end of the or end of the movie. Well, and I'll, I'll say two things. One, they didn't make out, which I am, I'm taking as a win. Yeah, That's huge to me. Because I think you don't get enough movies like this where the uh, breeding pair don't end up together. Which is like, okay, thank you. You know, that doesn't always have to happen. You know, they can have a connection and not, it doesn't have to be romantic necessarily. Two, that, your ending, would have made a lot more sense with theoretical future bullshit. Mm-hmm. Have that be the reasoning. Sure. And maybe that's why other characters or Mako suddenly you know becomes different than she we've established her to be yep and that's the thing though and see I I feel like though to go with that that kind of ending for this movie just didn't wouldn't fit in play see I'm inclined to I agree with that because I think the ending is I I enjoy the ending I think it's great and for me I I like the the sacrificial hero. If you're going to have a martyr, have a real martyr. I mean, I dig that too. Maybe I don't do. have the fake out then. Just yeah. have like, yeah, you don't, know. Don't have the situation where, you know, he hits the button and you don't know if he does or he makes it through the breach. That's the moment of tension you yeah. can have, right? Don't have the situation where all of a sudden the pop or they pop off the top and, oh, we can't tell if his heart's beating. Right. Maybe have that. it be. He's already dead. He died in, or he had the hero's death right you're waiting for the pod to come up yeah. and then yeah it pops and he's fine right yeah. not the fake yeah, I, out i don't need all of that extra stuff either make him uh pop up right next to her and end the movie with all of, or with all of the extra you know or don't play the double fake out mm-hmm. okay I'm, I'm okay with either of those but not what they ended up doing and for me it's personal preference um and that's probably the my biggest beef with the entire movie because i'm like they end it with Mako making it out and Raleigh dead. I'm walking away with a big grin on my face. But I'm also the one that loved the ending of Infinity War. You know, because if you treat it as the end of the series, because to me, I thought the best troll job would be if Disney came out and said, that's it. By the way, all those other movies we've been rumoring, yeah, those were all vapor. See, but you're not accounting for money. Yeah, and I'm not accounting for American audiences that just want a happy ending. Right. Because Can't do the Final Fantasy VII ending, yeah, Jack. Yeah, no. Can't do it. What, you mean the one where everybody lives? Well, that was very... The Final Fantasy VII ending is very ambiguous. Red Thirteen survives. Is that all that... That's cool? You're good with just him? I mean, that's the only ending we needed. We didn't need all the extra bullshit. I was fine with the ending of Final Fantasy VII. If you establish the fact that Red Thirteen survives, everybody else does in the breach. Okay, that's all it breaks down to. So in this one, that's er, that's my perfect ending. It's the only problem I really have with this movie whenever it comes down to it. Because I can forgive all of the other plot holes we pointed out for funsies because it was so enjoyable. Yeah, see, I don't take issue with the ending. And I get my cute scientist hugging, so I'm solid. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm fine we with We ruin it later, but it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Well, as long as we're not re-canceling the apocalypse, I'm okay. 
Does he actually say that in that fucking movie? I believe so. I don't remember. I watched it once, and yeah. I will never go back to it. We After watching this movie, once again, at least 20 times... There's I, no reason to I go back. I can't do it. At all. It's so... And the thing is, the annoying thing is, I, I don't want to have a protracted conversation about this because we already <laughs> did an episode. Don't raise your fucking eyebrows at me. Is there's there was ways of doing what you did, and doing it well. And I'm not. Whatever. Go read some fan fiction because there's shit out there that does do it well. It's just, it was a. Uh, uh, there's some glimmers of the characters you know and love in there, but you bring in all this extra bullshit and you change so much and it's so bright and it's just, mm-hmm. and there's just a fucking Gundam statue. It's just, yeah. It's I'm, Tokyo. I'm good. I'm good. It exists in Tokyo. Mm. It, it, but give me a Gundam movie instead of that. So well, I'll take a Gundam movie. Yeah. So, Bob, I yeah. I always ask this question because I've really enjoyed the conversation we had last time about scaling. Oh, the hot dog scale, <laughs> the yes. hot dog scale. Have you established an actual scale yet? No, not yet. I know I've been texting you about it. and I, I do need to just one day sit down and actually define uh, the scale. Um, I prefer it being non-defined and you just going all over oh, the fucking yeah. place. Not I mean, going to lie. I've been enjoying that portion too. <laughs> it's like, you know, this one's really tasty and here's all of the nuances and the reasons why. And that actually defines the movie better to me from your guys' scale. Cause and there's no one-to-one comparison. Because no. you've given Coney Dog to a couple different movies and you're like, well, no, it means different things on a different day. So. <laughs> <laughs> and to be fair, it, it kind of does. In the middle of summer, a Coney Dog's different than the middle of winner indeed mm-hmm. so you're justified jack says you're oh justified. i completely agree what we need to do is the cool wall we do need the cool wall mm-hmm. i mean this does kind of fall squarely to me in the coney dog realm um and it is it's everything you want in a hot dog it's not the perfect hot dog but it's pretty damn close especially if you get the coney from the Nathan's hot dog stand um, out in, uh, oh, fuck. Where? I don't know. I've been to New York once. Oh, no, it's literally Coney Island. What the fuck am I talking about? <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah. Wow. Yeah, you get it from the Nathan's hot dog stand you on got, the boardwalk. Do you have garbage bags piling above? Am, I, am I, like, affecting you? Wow. <laughs> oh, no. And because it's got, it's, I have to stop. It's got the crowd. It's got everything. It's it's just oh so much fun. This is one of those movies where it's like if I have some extra time, it's like okay, yeah. It's one of those ones you'll toss I'll, on. I'll throw on Pacific Rim because I mean I know it well. If I want to like write or draw while I'm doing it, but you it happened while we were watching it today. We were taking like copious notes. And then you get to that big battle in the middle of it, and you're like, oh, I'm going to put this away, and I'm going to focus on this glorious movie now. I mean, I've got lines of notes from the first, like, 20 minutes because there's so much content right there, and then all of a sudden it got quiet. And because giant monster robot fighting. I mean, I even her Bob pulls out his phone early on and starts texting and doing whatever. I see it out of the corner of my eye. All of a sudden the phone's down. He's leaning forward in the seat. I'm like, yeah, th- that's the type of movie this is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the reason why I've been dying to have this conversation with you guys how long we've been going about 
Two hours, two minutes, and 40 seconds. We're in, like, subtle interference territory. I told you this was not going to be short. There no, was no, but it was, it was a great chat. I thought it was wonderful. Uh, that's the thing. I'm going to Bob's hot dog scale, and the only thing I'm stuck on is, like, I want to know where the Chicago dog falls on your scale. Is it the perfect dog? Is it not on the list? Is it... Because, Bob, you and I have had a lot of conversations about hot dogs. <laughs> yes. Let's get this on record. <laughs> Um. See, I I didn't. I feel like changes day to day. Well, it does change. I mean, Jurassic Park is probably your Chicago dog. Your Chicago. My dog, Chicago yes. dog. I, I mean, it is. It's got all the necessary ingredients. It meshes perfectly together, and it's not some. Um, gimmicky foot long hot dog that tastes like shit because they never make the foot long hot dogs out of a good hot dog. Um, I need just a hot dog <laughs> podcast with Bob, just him and I talking about Bob. Hot See, dogs so was for that like hour. a reference to like Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom there? Or no, I'm thinking about Sonic. The regular hot dog is great, but if you oh, get so the foot long no, hot dog, no, no, hot dog specific. Okay. No, this is legitimate. Okay. That's the reason why I said okay. it just needs, okay. it needs to exist of Bob I and I arguing hot dogs. Wanted to verify. Now, now I do really want to see. Do you think we could make a tater top bun for a hot dog? Ooh. Can we get one that's crispy enough and, and stable enough to eat fried potatoes around your hot dog with <laughs> toppings? See, we've discussed the tacho and how it is the tachos, damn, yeah. damn see, near the perfect food. What I will say, though, I think what would work better with that is some sort of corn dog configuration with tots instead of the corn. No. No, you got to have the crispiness on both sides. Oh, I'm just telling you, because I don't right. know how you're making a bun that would remain so, stable I mean, out th- of tater tots. They've made the naked chicken taco. I mean, they could okay, figure yeah. it out, Jack. They I'm not saying I, they I, couldn't I, figure it out. Someone I don't know how could. many carcinogens would be involved. Many. But it'd be worth it. All it'd of them. Delicious. <laughs> you would delicious. eat it, you would smile, and then you would die Think about it, because you're getting that starch instead of oh. carbohydrates. So you do that with a coney. Mm, yeah, because you already yeah. have established you've got chili and cheese on the coney. Oh, god damn. Oh. With a tacho set up. Yeah, I'm, it, I, we got to find somebody to make this happen. Mm. Oh, wait. Or Pacific Rim. Uh, <laughs> Go read Anthology. It's a great fanfic. <laughs> so is Designations Congruent with Things. If you can't find it, hit me up. I'll send you a link. I was say, if you can't tell for me, this is one of my favorite movies of all time. What? Yeah. I really? mean, just like you, just, uh, you know, there's a reason why we've spent two hours talking about this movie mm-hmm. and I could spend another five, but it's a little. Well, late. I mean, we could dig into the nitty if we wanted to get into the nittiest of gritties. Well, I mean, we could do it. Well, and I think one of the things with this movie is it not only is it one of our favorites, but it's also one of the most rewatchable. Mm-hmm. Like there are movies that I absolutely adore. Door, but I could not watch multiple times, you know, or uh, it's not something near- you would go back to. It may have been an enjoyable experience, but it isn't something that you want to revisit necessarily. Right. And this one, yeah, yeah. you can pop this in any time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the thing. It, it's got a good balance, too, where it's kind of funny in areas. It's in, or, you know, it's got some drama to it. And it's there's so many movies where it's a one note song 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to be funny for, through the whole movie. Cool. You know, but you can only laugh so much during the movie and then have to shut it down. Same mm-hmm. situation of just, I don't want to cry through an entire movie. I can do it once. I, it's a great movie. I don't need Never to do again. that again. I'm solid. Grave oh, that's Fireflies. Like, that's like Arrival. Great movie. I'd like to watch it again because with knowing what happened, but it's not something I I'm going to watch a lot. I couldn't watch Arrival again. I loved it. It was amazing, but I had known what was going to happen with the short story, and as soon as it really started, I was just sobbing the entire time because I knew it was coming. Mm-hmm. So, good movie, though. You should definitely watch it. Mm-hmm. And you should definitely, if you haven't seen Pacific Rim, hopefully <laughs> we've given uh, some of the dozens kind of a little bit of insight into what we kind of consider to be, you know, that's kind of what we, we this is our baseline. Is that fair to say? Whenever we, whenever you guys talk yeah. God tier movies, yeah, you right. know, giving an idea of some of the things that can be forgiven, the things that can be enjoyed. See, see, I, I, I would think if we think about baseline, mm-hmm. I'm thinking more like Furious Seven. See, but that that trails into a conversation about fun bad. That that is. That's your 7-Eleven hot dog, which in my book is the base hot dog. That is the lowest hot dog that's acceptable. Okay. Um, because 7-Eleven hot dog is not that bad, believe it or not. So you get your big bite. Don't get the jumbo big bite. No, get the jumbo big bite. You're getting the jumbo <laughs> big bite. Let's be honest. You're not getting this little, no, get the jumbo big bite. You're going for 7-Eleven hot dog already. Just go all in. See, this is what happened where we kept Bob up through all of this, and now we've got him on a tangent. <laughs> and I managed to keep myself reined in, and I just gave a couple recommendations <laughs> at the end, and I managed to keep all that shit out of it. I I was able to keep the tiger at bay. So, so I do have to ask the question, what's next on your guys' movie list? Last time you quizzed me, I get to ask the question here because... Uh, we have Annihilation downstairs that we still have to watch. Oh, awesome. Yeah. yeah. Let me know because that's on my short list. Will do. Um, and then was there anything else from 2018 that we kind of missed that we... Uh... Uh, I don't think so. There's nothing I can think about. I mean, obviously Bumblebee you want to see. Yeah. Um, I think it'll be a good conversation. And uh... and I've heard good things. And honestly, I want to see the Transformers not done by Michael Bay. And if this is bad... It's called 1986. I know. Go back and watch the animated yeah, movie because I... I I I was reading the reviews on it because I had to because I'm like I I just watched it. it was my first movie of 2019 it has to be one of those situations where I share with my daughter my passion <laughs> and that movie for me is I mean come on my wedding during my wedding I we had to play you got the touch stop it yeah whenever I went for the garter. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> um, there's a there's a John or John Wick three. John Wick. No, there is a Keanu um, Reeves movie. Keanu Reeves movie yeah, coming out. It's a John out. Wick movie. It's, it's a January release, so uh, it's iffy. Yeah. It's but iffy. I'm curious. There's some stuff coming out in February though. Um, Lego Movie, the second part is coming out. There were a few other. Um, there's there's other stuff coming out. I don't know how often we'll be getting to the movies, but I think the watching the movies at home thing we've been doing mm-hmm. yeah. has been 
uh, a lot nicer. Well, like what we did for our last big batch of episodes, we just rented like five and we watched them all in one day and recorded right after each and that that kind of worked out. So um, if you if there's anything that has come out in the last year that you feel you would like to hear us fucking crow about for an hour and a half, please uh, let us know. Hit us up on the uh, social medias. Jack, if you have any other suggestions, this one was a brilliant one. Uh, uh, I mean, you guys have your god tears, and those are fun to wander through. I'm trying to think of some just trash movie, because I'd love to get on here and just pile on with you guys. You know, <laughs> Nothing's coming to mind right off the bat, because I haven't gotten to see as many movies recently as I'd like. But you know, next on my list right now, I'm waiting for the uh, next Netflix third-part Godzilla movie. Mm. I do want to see the... Was it? It's going to be the King of the Monsters movie that's coming out. I think know. that's May. Uh, I have say. you seen Shin Godzilla? No, I've not. I heard good things about it. Uh, we've been wanting to do an episode on that too. So um, that's a great. Topic. We've been talking about that for a while. I say you've got that. You know, of course, the Captain Marvel movie coming up. I can't wait for. Yeah, that's in March or February. I think it's March. Okay. I think she's in March and Endgame's in May. April. Oh, April. Yeah, they moved that up. Yeah. Because I they don't they need to have the buzz go Ooh, as quick no, and I, I don't fucking know because they aren't confident enough that they shot a movie with a female lead that's good. That's what I'm going with because DC was able to do it on their own on its own merit. It's the only time I can Another I can say conversation. that. It's the only time I can say that DC did something right, and it's only because the director went balls out. Yeah, that's what you got to do. Mm-hmm. Let the director direct their fucking movie. No, let's get rid of the No Man's Land. Scene. Yeah. Actually, we, ha- we had a Wonder Woman episode and we lost it. The I know. computer ate it. So maybe that's something that we can look to uh, revisit as well. But I don't know. Is it, uh, what What's on your list of things you're... What, what's on the 2019 list of bad movies you're going to drag me to that I have no <laughs> desire to see? Oh, speaking of the Broly movie. Nope. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's That might be this weekend? It's the 18th. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, Broly. Ooh, we're going to nerd the fuck out up in here, guys. Uh, you don't even yeah. know. I got to double check to see if I can go with you on that. Okay. Just family reasons. Oh, you know, for, of for course. obvious reasons. Yeah, we'll let you know when, when we're planning on going, but that's, yeah, that'll be, ooh, Dragon Ball Z fighting. That's right where you want to be. Yeah, and that's the thing. I've been really filling my nights quickly. Um, You know, this is, like, night two of three in a row where i will have had something planned and my wonderful wife is at home with the wife you have yeah yeah she let me out of the house tonight after being out on the road for six hours well we're gonna get you home then jack so i'll be fine thank you everyone for listening as always uh please go visit teampumanife.com to go listen to our other battery of podcasts not only do we have after the movie we have beyond the red waste our game of thrones cast which will be coming back in april with the show we have Improvised Weapons, our real play D&D podcast from some friends up in Vermont. We have Subtle Interference, uh, which is our general nerd out show with uh, uh, resident surly guy Alex. And Oof, I Wrote That has started updating again. So go check that out while uh, Sheila and I humiliate ourselves with uh, really, really shitty writing that we just rip on incessantly. So uh, I've got her convinced to watch this shit. So uh, that should be interesting because I know she's not going to like it. And we might not be able to be friends anymore. So, uh, again, thank you all for uh, sticking with us through this extra long episode of After the Movie. And we will talk to you next time. Bye.
This has been a Puma Knife production. <laughs>